Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Hey, sounds good to me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, today's going to be a little strange. Uh, not that every day is a little strange, but uh, um, I had a, an interesting omen last week. I, I managed to drop my headset as I was making some guitar videos, as I've been making these uh, improvisational lesson guitar videos. And I, I dropped my headset. Well, I, didn't, I, I kind of like hit it accidentally and knocked it on the floor, and my left ear doesn't work. My left, my left ear works, but the left uh, side of the headset doesn't work. And this is kind of like a metaphor for everything that's going on because I'm, I'm going to be switching. Um, we're going to move the show to Rumble, and so it'll be visual. And so, uh, and I don't even need my microphone or headsets because uh, apparently my uh, the video. And I've been doing this on several Zoom calls, and I've been doing this on other Rumble interviews and things like that. Um, I used to use the headset and the microphone, plug it all in, and now I just use the 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 the, um, the mic that's in the camera that's in the iMac, and apparently that's that's good enough. So I'll be able to be animated. I won't have to be stuck behind a microphone. I won't be chained to holding my head, you know, three to four inches, you know, away from the microphone here. And so it's going to be very interesting to see how this works. So Marco's in the Netherlands listening, which is good. So Marco, I need your opinion too. Not that I, I mean, I've already made my decision, but I, I still want opinions anyway, just because, because uh, there are different ways to do this and things like that. Anyway, I'm going to move the show to Rumble. And so what that'll mean is we're going to have, we'll be all video and there'll be a video screen. I'll be in one square and the different reporters will come in on the other squares. And I only learned recently that you can do this. And so this is going to be critical for us uh, as we move into the next phase. And the biggest reason for doing this is, is to vastly increase the size of the audience. And, and I was thinking about this. I've been thinking about doing this for, for probably six months. Um, but the problem was, I, I, well, I always figured that with, with blogs, uh, I had better options because I have callers. I had the live Skype line. Um, and then I have, uh, you know, they have different uh, ways of, of uh, you know, mapping out the world and tell us, you know, where the people are from different countries and things like that. But the audience hasn't grown appreciably since COVID. And the first couple of years I understood that, you know, we, we got a huge drop just because of COVID, as everybody did, you know, once we started telling the truth. And so then uh, it became, uh, we got a couple of different folks here. Oh, he's back again. All right. I'm just watching Marco come and go from the conversation. Um, you get that notice on live chat. Anyway. So I thought there were more options. I thought there might be better options, you know, by, by being able to get the Skype, uh, the, the live chat, have people be able to call in all the sound clips, all the audio clips that I play, all the silly things that I do here. And so because of that, I thought that this was the best option. I think with video, it looked like you had to, you get one square, the other person gets a square, and you kind of have to channel your, your, your show to that one person. I, I never wanted to do that. I want to have much more flexibility. And so I got that here. But in the last couple of weeks, Shows have been canceled four times, you know, due to technical difficulties, connection errors, things like that. So, so I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I can't count on this. And I had, I had a couple of guests who were scheduled last week. In fact, I had Naomi Wolf and Alan Dershowitz scheduled on the same day. And, uh, you know, now they both canceled on their own, which is actually that's fine. I don't care if they cancel. But I, I never want to be in a position where the show that I'm, you know, broadcasting and responsible for can't be able to do the show. And so what I'm thinking, uh, so uh, that, was, that was part of this decision, too, and that's what sort of made it more immediate, and the fact that we have Citizen Legislation Day coming up. And so that's January 7th. So we've rented the Amagene Theater, which is this beautiful, classic 1912 opera house here in, in beautiful Milton, Florida. 
which is near Pensacola on the Panhandle uh, next to the Gulf of Mexico. So that's where I'm broadcasting from. And it's going to be um, fascinating to see how this works out. Now, I've got a big video coming up with my friend Larry Downs, Jr., so Larry Downs Jr. is the preeminent citizen advocate of Escambia County, which is the next one over to Santa Rosa County here. If you go uh, to the, uh, the west of Escambia County, you're in uh, Alabama, and that's where Mobile is, Mobile Bay. And so one side of Mobile Bay is Mobile, and the other side is Florida. It's, it's kind of interesting how rivers tend to divide a lot around here. In fact, uh, uh, so that's going to be Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon. I'm going to tell you exactly what time, just in case we change the schedule. But uh, look for that on my page, on his page, and that's going to be a big video I'm going to shock a lot of people because, I, you know, there's, there's folks, uh, there's still people that don't know, you know, where I went after I disappeared from uh, WBY, which is the radio station that first hired me, you know, to come out here to Florida to do their morning show. And so that's, that's going to be interesting, too. People are like, oh, he's still here. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you have no idea. Um, and so all these things are happening now, which is going to be fascinating to kind of coordinate and get all this together. So, but the big move is with Rumble. Uh, and then I found that then I have a friend, uh, actually, CJ who does our wellness report on Thursdays, who's already on Rumble. And she told me about a program called StreamYard. And so StreamYard is going to allow me to, you know, uh, come and go and, and do different things and uh, be, oh, I'm hopefully I don't lose the, the right side of the microphone too. Then I'll be in real trouble. Fortunately, I have a backup uh, headset, but that only has the right ear working as well. So uh, basically I'm, I'm operating on my right side, which means it's going into my left brain, uh, which might make for a very different show. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, Marco looks like he's been, uh, oh, you've been sick for a couple of days. That's no fun. Hope you're feeling better. You know, so uh, people are getting sick with the change in weather. Some people are blaming COVID, but I just read a statistic that only 14% of the United States folks uh, are taking the COVID update. You know, every time you take this thing, you, you know, you, you, you it, it, <laughs> it's like destroying you. It, it, it's terrible what's going on. And so the COVID, of course, we all knew that the thing was going to be dangerous. You, you can't create a vaccine um, in a year. And have it be, quote, safe and effective. You can't even have it be safe. And we all knew that. And anybody who knows anything about uh, uh, vaccines, if, even if you didn't know, you just look it up. You know, how long does it take to, to make a vaccine? Oh, 15, maybe 20 years. Oh, really? Okay. And they're going to bring this out in a year? Hmm, what could go wrong? Well, everything. Of course, everything did go wrong. But they didn't care because they were only in it for the money. They don't care how many people they kill. They only care how many vaccines they jab into people's arms. And it, it fascinates me, too, that they're still showing um, – commercials and videos and every time they do a news story you can take the worst news story on on the COVID jab the worst one it causes this myocarditis you know heart you know uh well i guess that's what myocarditis is swelling of the heart i'm trying to think of the, there's so many different symptoms blood clots strokes death <laughs> sudden death all these different things and they'll still show you a picture of somebody getting a COVID jab in the news story so the psychology is oh COVID jab good even though the, the announcer is saying, you know, sudden death was caused to, uh, you know, a bunch of teenagers, you know, over the last uh, month, you know, they don't care as long as they get that visual in there. So that's, that's a, that's a psyop. That is a psychological operation. Every time you do a COVID shot, every time you do a COVID story uh, or a COVID uh, jab story, you have to show somebody getting uh, the jab. Uh, and that with a big smile on their face. Oh, this is great. Look at me. I'm getting the jab. Yeah, that's propaganda folks. And Big Pharma does it. And even One American News and other stations, they do that. And I don't know why. There must, be getting, there must be some kind of money or something going on with that. Anyway, so that's the latest news. So we've got um, – we're moving to Rumble. We're all going to be uh, uh, visual. And, again, I'll be able to send out the link. So, Marco, you'll be able to appear on camera. <laughs> we'll send you the link sometime. We'll, 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 uh, I'll get your email. 
And then, uh, well, you can email me at greg at writeyourlaws.com. That's greg at writeyourlaws.com. In fact, I'll put it in the, in the bottom line here. So my email, it's my public email, so I don't mind putting it on here. At writeyourlaws.com. There we go. So that way, Mark, I can send you a live chat so we can get, we can get the, the Netherlands report. Talk to your boss. I'll make you all famous. <laughs> I'll, make, I'll make your boss famous. I'll make you famous. I'll make um, uh, all kinds of folks. So, so uh, John just joined the line uh, from Women's Firearm Academy. So John does our Friday uh, gun report along with uh, Candy, uh, who does the Black Mama Bear uh, gun report. So the two of them, we're going to find some interesting stuff to do. So, John, I want your opinion, too. So uh, you can either call in this hour or just uh, type something on live chat. But we're moving to Rumble. And so it's going to be sometime in December, early, late, middle. Haven't quite figured out yet. I got to work out some uh, uh, some things. The biggest thing I need to work out with Block Talk is I need I want to preserve all five years of our show. And so I don't want them just deleting everything. I don't want to put five years of my life into something and have them just erase it. So that's that's the biggest uh, thing I have to find out. Do I have to download all the shows? Do I have to get a separate hard drive? I mean, how are we going to do this? I want to preserve those shows. So that's my big. Uh, and I tried looking at the help center, tried to get an answer. And then sometimes getting an answer from blog talk isn't the easiest thing. But, uh, I mean, I'll go on without it. I'll just be really angry because we've got – we had unbelievable moments. You know, maybe I'll do like a, a, a sort of a walk through the things we had. Uh, uh, in 2022, we had the world's greatest doctors panel. So for 18 weeks, we had folks like John Cullen who did the uh, – the COVID map for John Hot, Johns Hopkins. We had uh, Dr. Brian Artis, Dr. Judy Mikevitz. We had Dr. Jim Thorpe, the world's greatest baby doc. We had various guests, Christiane Northrup. Uh, we had all these different people um, that were just fabulous uh, that came on the show. We had uh, Dr. Pierre Corey, uh, a lot of doctors, a lot of marketing people, a lot of uh, psychologists, a lot of just really uh, interesting folks that, uh, that were there that were part of the show. And I don't want to lose that. <laughs> you know, Dr. Peter Pry, who went through the entire history of, of nuclear weapons, starting with the Manhattan Project. You know, he did this during 2020 when, the, when he couldn't get speaking engagements because nobody could. because Everything was closed, right? So he spends like an hour and a half with us every week going through the entire history of nuclear weapons. I don't want to lose those shows either. And so there's some incredible things that, that we've done here that I want to keep. And so I'm going to find a way to preserve it or throw them all on a hard disk. I mean, all of them. It might take me a, a week, you know, after the show just to make sure that I have uh, all the shows logged in. But that's what's going on there. Okay, enough about that stuff. Let's, uh, let's totally, uh, you know, go into a depressing mood and play uh, my little Biden piece here. So this is some of the stuff. This is another thing, too. When I move to Rumble, i got to figure out how to bring these with me because they're funny. Joe Biden's Dark Winter. No freedom. No liberty. No guns, no representation, no oil, no coal, no nuclear power, no space force, no constitution, no family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country. All right, looks like uh, John's with us now from Women's Firearm Academy and does the Friday report at, um, I guess it's uh, 8.30 Central Time, but uh, we'll, we'll figure out. i, I got to talk more about getting you and Candy together for maybe a joint report, but we'll, 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 figure, we'll, we'll talk. We'll see what's going on. So, John, what do you think of us uh, moving to Rumble? That's a fantastic idea. Okay. Yeah, it's good. good. Um, yep. Yeah, video. 
I got to change your shirt. Yeah, once that's in a the way you're going to go. That's definitely the way to go. <laughs> I think um, for sure. Right. Um, yeah. I, I think that if you back everything up, like, I don't know, does blog talk allow you to download your previous episodes? You can, but I don't want to download. I mean, I don't know how much information that is. I mean, I've got five years worth of shows. You know, I don't need all of them. I'd like to have access to all of them because I still look up things on those shows. You know, sometimes I'll I'll, I'll post shows. I, I've got some of the uh, the ones already, like our March second show where we first came out and said that the COVID government response was a total hoax, that you don't need a vaccine, that we got early treatments. This is March second. This is two weeks before the Mike Pence's you know 15 days to slow the spread. I want to keep that show. I want to keep uh, the Peter Price shows uh, during the lockdowns. I want the, the world's greatest doctor shows. Uh, I want some of our special guests when we had McCullough on. We had Malone on. We had uh, Christina Bob a couple times. We had uh, Peter Navarro. Uh, I want to keep those. And so I don't know whether to maybe put them on. on uh, I've got a SoundCloud account. Um, so I'm not sure how to preserve them. I'm going to talk to Blog Talk about that. I mean, we've got a good relationship. I just, you know, but there's certain things they haven't done you know, over the years that I've asked for. Um, they have like 250 lines into the show. I don't need 250. I need like 12. Um, but they don't have a private line, and I want a private line. You know, I figured, uh, um, you know, one day we're going to have Donald Trump on the show, and that's going to be massive. And when that happens, I don't want him having to call in, you know, uh, on, on the regular line because that's not going to work because the, the all the lines we jam with, you know, people because they're all going they're going to want to talk to Trump. So, but apparently they have like a stream key, and so I would only send that out to people I know are going to be on the show. Uh, or people that text in and say, hey, I want to be on the show. And if I, if I know you, then uh, then I can do that. The only thing that it might restrict is the spontaneous call. If the new people, that's what I need a producer for, to uh, contact these folks. And if you want to be on the show, it's like you'd have to get screened first. And maybe on the following day, we'll give you a stream key or something like that. So I'm not sure. But we should, we should have a live chat. It's going to have commentary. And that's what I need. That's mostly what the um, you know the callers should do is just type in questions. And so that's not going to be that big a loss. So, you know. All in all, I don't see any negatives to it other than I've got to find a way to preserve five years' worth of, uh, of work here. Yeah, I'd, if, it's, if they'd let you batch download it, I'd just get a, like, an external hard drive, like you know, a couple of terabytes, and just do all of them. That way you have was, them all. Yeah, so I was wondering if there was a word for it. It's called a batch download? Yeah. Yeah, so they, they just say, that. okay, look, you can download everything at the same time. So it wouldn't be you have to click on each individual show for the next five years or for, you know, every day for five years. It would just be, yeah. okay, I want to download everything in one shot. Yeah, I get a separate yeah. hard drive. Uh, yeah, because it's sure. all audio, yeah, it's not it that, on. it's not like visual. Visual. Well, what's it, maybe you know this. What, how, how much of an increase is there in, in data, you know, between a, an audio recording and a visual? It's got to be visual. It's got to be like several times more data. Multiple times. Yeah, more. because you're yeah because you're doing both, right? It's a totally different format, but you're actually downloading the audio and the video at that point. Right. So yeah, it does take takes a significant amount more. Yeah, which is good actually, because then I can get a smaller hard drive. But I have an external one. But I really want people to have the access to it. But uh, because I'm figuring a lot of those shows are going to get a whole lot more popular. We get we get on Rumble, and all of a sudden people start getting more interested in the show. They're going to want to go back and hear those interviews. And so uh, you know, I'd love to have people be able to have access to them. Do you know, especially if you put it on your website. Yeah. Do it like a link yeah, tree where they can access mm. it all, and then that would lead directly to whatever server you want to put them on, and they could pick and choose the shows. Okay, so we need we need to we need an improved website too. So this is and here's another issue that we had as well. Uh, our, our webmaster Eric Colley was was killed by remdesivir in a hospital ventilator, and this was back a year ago, February. 
So writeyourlife.com is not finished. That's, that's the kind of thing we wanted to do. We wanted to have a show index. We wanted to have some different things that we're going to put on it. Uh, and then the hospital killed them. And I, and I say that without reservation or, or, you know, purpose of evasion or just say it point blank. They killed them, all right? And they killed a lot of people, probably upwards of, uh, I don't know, everybody that died in a hospital, you know, from remdesivir and a ventilator was probably preventable, more than likely was preventable. And I've heard that from Dr. Zelenko. I've heard that from Dr. Peter McCullough. Um, don't know about Malone said it, but I know McCullough and I know uh, Zelenko said it, that, uh, that all these deaths, they could have saved 90 to 95% of, of the people that died you know, in the hospital simply by early treatments. So we know that was a, that was a medical, you know, genocide, medical Holocaust. And one of the victims was my friend. And, uh, you know, and then my friend Peter Pry, who died of the COVID shot, I'm convinced. And we lost a whole bunch of people with that. So it's, it's, uh, this is personal. And I've mentioned that before on the show. This is, this is, this has directly affected me. It's directly affected a lot more folks who've lost family members to this, uh, this, this crisis. Anyway, you'll be a huge asset if you can help me out with that. We can talk off the air about how to do that. And, uh, and maybe if you know a webmaster, we can, we can boost writeyourlaws.com and put some of those features on so people can find these older shows. That, so, so you archive it? or, or How are you suggesting? How, how can we do that on a website? Yeah, you could just put it on your own server, the website, and have a link to it. Be like just blog talk radio or you know, past episodes. And then they could just mm-hmm. click on that link and you can index the whole thing from there for sure. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a professional at it, don't get me wrong, but, you know, if I were you, I'd even go to, like, the local college, their computer science lab, and say, hey, look, mm-hmm. I'm looking for somebody to do a website, who's up and coming, who wants to, you know, earn a few bucks, and, uh, you know, produce this thing for me, because all those people, especially the kids now, are all on the cutting edge. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. Well, we got to the University of West Florida. That sounds good. College kids. Yeah, well, I was an intern. I was pretty sharp when I went to Washington. It was kind of fun because you're really ambitious. You know, I was like 20. <laughs> There's still a picture of me, which yeah. I post on Facebook, sitting in the, the main hearing room uh, chair in the Rayburn building, you know, at that big desk with the two flags. And uh, mm-hmm. it's like 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'm drunk because we all had a big party after, uh, after this thing called Citizen Legislation Day. Oh, no, Big Business Day. No, Citizen Legislation Day. That's my, holiday. That's my event. Uh, big Business Day. And Ralph Nader helped run it, and I was more liberal in those days, but uh, rapidly becoming conservative when I saw how Washington really worked. And and so there's a picture of me. I, I should post it on Facebook. Uh, I'm there with a Budweiser can, <laughs> sitting, which which is angled the same angle as my head, you know, uh, sitting at the the, the chairman's uh, seat at one o'clock in the morning. So you can't do stuff like that anymore because you know the Capitol's been. Uh, Closed down, lockdown. But in those days, in the eighties, we didn't care. We were all running all over the Capitol all hours of the day and night. It was great fun. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, you could do it as long as you're on the correct side. Oh, as far as what? Oh, the Democrats can do it. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. Now that I got you here, I got some news to go over. Have you heard about the new January six um, tapes being released? Yeah. Do you know anything about that? Yeah. What do you know? Uh, it's it's not looking good for their narrative. That's what I know. Yeah, I know you're big on the narrative. I'm looking for the story here. Uh, J.D. Rucker um, has posted, and I've got a bunch of things. The other big news I'm going to talk to Josie about tomorrow is Argentina. Argentina has elected mm-hmm. their Donald Trump, and that is fabulous news. Let me see if I can uh, – where is – this is what happens when I don't – You know, when I, I'm so busy doing news stories for the show, I forget to look at the old ones. I, I think there's a couple things going on with that, those tapes, though. <laughs> I think people were Tell surprised that they were infiltrated. Well, I think one people were surprised that they were infiltrated, which uh-huh. by the by the police or by the uh, you know, Capitol Police or the FBI. That shouldn't be a surprise. 
that's fairly. I wasn't standard. surprised. Well, yeah, it's fairly I, I'd be surprised on, if they on any there. of those those things. Uh, but I, the problem you have is what they did when they infiltrated and how they incited everybody. That's yep. the issue. You know, we we routinely put people into protests, into events, just as a watch and observe and report. Period. That was it. That was the only thing they were there for. So if something yeah. were to happen, they could call it in. But they never went in there with an agenda to say, okay, look, we're going to start dropping, you know, flashbangs and tear gas and telling these people to do a bunch of legal things so we can hook them up. That's called entrapment. Well, it's also called a coup. <laughs> I mean, well, this is a coup. This this was a this sure. was a stealing of the government. And in fact, I got a theory. Well, let me run this theory by you too, because this will be interesting. That um, the the coup is ongoing. The, the, in order for them to maintain this fraudulent government in Washington, they have to keep the coup. So it started with the stolen election, November third, twenty twenty, whatever it was. The next uh, part, of, the next event in the coup was Mike Pence. What? No, it was the um, Various governors like uh, Witch Widmer there in Michigan denying um, Trump electors the ability to go vote. So they're actually blocking out. The state police were blocking out Trump electors. So, so the branded electors could vote and the Trump electors couldn't. That was completely illegal. Um, so, so they, but state legislatures still put forward in, in the battleground states two sets of electors. They had the branded ones and the Trump ones. And the state legislatures, as we all know from the Constitution, take precedence over the ones put forward by the governors and the, and the secretaries of state. And so those states, let's see if I can remember them. You got, uh, uh, we'll start with the right. So we got Georgia, Pennsylvania, uh, Michigan, Minnesota, Nevada, uh, I think it was Arizona and New Mexico. So those are the seven battleground states. And they put forward Trump electors. You know, any three of those, if you had Michigan, Pennsylvania, and pretty much any other state, that would have put Trump over 270. So the next phase of the, of the coup was to make sure the Trump electors did not get a chance to vote. Well, the state legislature overrode that, and they voted anyway. So then the, so then the, the, then the thing came up with Mike Pence. Well, what's he going to do? Is he going to send the, the Trump electors and the, and the brand electors back to the states and say, you know, send me one, which is what he's constitutionally bound to do? No, he just did the, he did the exact opposite. He said, I can't send the electors back to the states. That was part of the coup. You with me so far? Yeah. Okay, what do you think? Did, did you have a question or comment? I, I don't want to... Uh... Go through too much. No, not at all. I, I, yeah, it's all it's all there. Absolutely, it's all part of the coup, right? So the coup is yeah. still going on. People don't realize that the coup is still going on, right? Because they have to maintain the lie. So yesterday's lies are covered by today's lies. Today's lies will be covered by tomorrow's lies, and it goes on. So the indictments are just the latest phase in the coup to maintain power, to make sure that the election is not looked into. And the interesting thing is they always talk about, you know, you can't uh, challenge the results. You know how they say you can't challenge the election results. So they don't care about the election. They know the election was a total fraud. As long as people accept the results of that total fraud, they're okay, which is fascinating. It's, it's one of those little Freudian slips. It's like they don't realize that they're admitting that the election itself was a fraud. They just want you to accept the results. And because people, well, you, from law enforcement, it's really hard for most people to lie completely with no reaction, no reflex, no twitch, no looking down to the left or right, whichever way it goes, I think. Uh, um, I, I learned a little bit about law enforcement, and you can just read it, too. This is, I'm not, this is classified stuff. You look online, body language, when somebody's lying. It's easy to find out. But did you, did you find in law enforcement that most people cannot completely just lie to your face and look you square in the eye? The people that are good at it lay, mm-hmm. lie with a little bit of truth, but there's usually always a tell. And that's hmm. why interrogations always last longer, because you can you keep circling back to certain things 
as you circle, the story changes. You circle again, the story will change. You circle again, the story changes. That's, that's what they do. So it's the initial statement of, okay, I did X or I did not do X. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. And then you'll start to get them talking and then you'll, back, you'll circle back to, okay, so when you were there, did you do this or this? Well, I didn't do that one, but I kind of did that. So <laughs> you just continue to, you continue to have them talk. The more they talk, the easier it is to detect the lie and the easier it is to get to the truth because they're going to slip up. So it's the same. It's the cover is always worse than the crime. This is what you're seeing in society now. They continue to talk, and if they talk more, what happens? We get a little bit more. They continue yeah. to talk a little more, we get a little bit more. And mm-hmm. if you're good at putting the pieces of the puzzle together, then you get the whole picture. That's our job here. <laughs> we're, we're like political puzzle makers. And, so, sure. uh, and, there's lot, and we're not the only ones. There's a lot of folks out there that are, that are doing the same kind of thing. We're all seeing the same thing. So, so let, me, let me just do a quick backtrack, and I'll, I'll give people the whole picture of what's going on. So the election being stolen on November 3rd, 2020. That was the first part of the first event in the coup. Next event in the coup was blocking the uh, Trump electors from uh, casting their vote for Trump. And that was uh, December 14th. The next event in the coup was Mike Pence saying that he couldn't send the, uh, the Trump electors back to states where they had dual slate electors. In other words, uh, the governor put forward Brandon and the state legislature put forward Trump. He says he couldn't send them back, which is a complete lie. And in fact, that was the only thing he could do was send them back. And yet, you know, he defied the Constitution and everything else, and he was allowed to stay because gelding Republicans are geldings. They don't do anything. The next event in the coup, as we all know, was January 6th. January 6th was an insurrection, not of Trump supporters, but of the deep state. So the deep state uh, took the entire Congress below the, below the Capitol, down the basement for seven hours. Now, John, you may not know this because I don't know if you're here when we've talked about it, but uh, there's nothing in the congressional record about that. Most people don't know that because they've never actually checked the congressional record because they think they know what happened January 6th, right? But there's nothing in there. I, I, I told Christina Bob about that, who's Trump's attorney. I said, did you know? <laughs> and Peter, Peter Navarro, same thing. I said, did you know there's nothing in the congressional record for seven hours, even though Congress is meeting? I said, that's impossible. And yet there it is, or there it not is. John? I didn't know that. No. Yeah, most people don't, but that's okay. No, uh, see, I love asking white? questions that, that no one's thought of. <laughs> it's, it's is, the yeah, is the record no, sealed? Is the record sealed, or does it not exist, or does, they never did one? I, that's, I don't know. That's a, those are three really great questions. I have no idea. All I know is if you go, in fact, I, I've, I've, I've got it on a file somewhere in my computer, but it's easy to find. Just look up Congressional Record January 6, 2021. Uh, scroll to about 2.30 in the afternoon. So apparently that's, that's when they locked them all down, and then they brought them back to like 9 o'clock at night, which is interesting because Trump's speech was in the morning. So they had to time... Well, I'll get to that in a second. So anyway, yeah, look in the congressional record. There's nothing there for the House or the Senate. All it says is they adjourned, you know, and the seven-hour gap, and then they came back. And all of a sudden, they're voting for Brandon. Really? <laughs> okay. This, that's what led me to believe that's where the coup took place. The, the coup took place under the Capitol, all right? Christina Bob's theory was that they said that you don't want to be like those Trump supporters, those horrible people above, you know, the Capitol, you know, basically walking around taking selfies, right? Uh, well, the FBI people were breaking doors and windows and Antifa and Black Lives Matter. The, the operatives, the deep state operatives were doing the violence. And then, of course, Michael Byrd assassinated Ashley Babbitt. And then I forgot the woman. I keep forgetting her name that got trampled to death outside. Horrible things that happened. Roseanne Boylan. Mm. There we go. Mm. I don't like forgetting names because uh, these people need to be remembered. Anyway, 
Um, so, so, but, but, so that's her theory was that. See, my theory is much, much more nefarious. I think that was the coup. Because I remember Kelly Leffler, I think was her name, from Georgia. She's one of the senators that lost her seat because she didn't campaign because she didn't want to offend, you know, Black Lives Matter or whoever else was. So she loses her seat. She's a Georgia senator. And she said bravely before January 6th, I'm going to challenge the election. I'm going to stand up for the Trump electors. I'm going to do all this, right? So then, so then seven hours after being under the Capitol, she, she comes up whimpering. Oh, for the good of the country, I have to vote for Brandon. We need peace. We need to, He's the president. That's says BS. She knows damn well he's not the president. And yet she whimpered in front of the American public, voted for Brandon. And, and the only reason she would do that, I believe, is that her arm was twisted, literally or figuratively, under the Capitol. And she was convinced by whatever means, you know, committee chairs or something like that, that if she wants to stay in the Senate, you know, this is what she's going to have to do. She's got to vote for Brandon. That is the coup. It took place under the Capitol. And there's no record of it. That's why I find it so fascinating. John? Yeah, I wonder if um, uh, Jonathan, right? Jonathan uh, Mosley? Mosley? Yeah, he's coming on in half an hour. Yeah. I wonder if he could file a PRA to see if there was actually even, even a congressional record at that time. I don't know. What's PRA? Public uh, Records Public request? Records, uh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. It's all part of the public record. They should have to disclose it. Huh. He's busy enough defending January 6th people, and I'm sure he's going to be going over the tapes pretty carefully, but uh, this is a good question. Public well, it might. well, that might actually help his defense. Ask him. Uh, I've been accused of, 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 of sidetracking Jonathan because whatever I'm talking about, I talked to him about, and then we got talking for like 20 minutes, and he, he misses stuff on his report, so I'll make sure to, uh, to bring that later on in. So, so J6 uh, under the Capitol, under the Capitol. And it's making notes of myself, congressional record. Yeah, no one knows. But what's fascinating is that uh, people that I think should care about that, like my own congressman, they haven't made a big deal about it. In fact, they haven't made any deal about it. Gates especially, because he put, uh, he put um, Hunter Biden's laptop information in the congressional record. Yeah. What were you going to say? They're all part of it, though. Yeah, I don't know how much Gates is part of it. I think Gates is more not pushing hard enough. I don't think he's part of it, but I think well, he's definitely that's, that's uh, part of the problem. Though, of negligent in terms of what he could right. be doing. Yeah. These tapes are a good example. They've had them forever and they're just mm-hmm. now getting released. Mm-hmm. That's my job. Why weren't they all pushing for that? Yeah. Why weren't they all pushing for that day one? Oh, why haven't listen. they been let that information out? Yeah, no, no. Listen, you're talking about pushing as soon as, uh, um, in fact, I was pushing back in 2018 that the Republicans should all leave and boycott Congress because they actually won in 2018. They won the House. Then the Democrats overturned by insurrection <laughs> by bringing in truckloads of ballots, seven congressional seats in California. That's how the Democrats sure, but- got the House in 2018. They stole it. And then they had all no, those bogus impeachments. Point. That's yeah. why I'm saying that you know Gates is part of the problem is because he's instead of doing the right thing, instead of pushing, instead of leaking mm-hmm. the information because they all had it, mm-hmm. they've all been sitting on it and oh. just letting it happen. Listen, I got a big problem with Gates because he uh, he's had our vaccine product liability bill for over two years because I wrote it two years ago, March. You know, so this is back 2021. So within a couple of months of of the the COVID jab coming out, I already had a bill uh, ready to put full product liability on, on uh, big pharma. Uh, Dr. Zelenko endorsed it. Dr. Judy Mikovits has endorsed it. Dr. Brian Artis has endorsed it. Some of the top doctors in the country have endorsed this bill. 
These are people that have cured COVID patients by the thousands. Matt Gates has had it ever since I wrote it. And yet he has the gall to, uh, to come on a show uh, or to this hearing with Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, and Dr. Robert Malone was there. Dr. Malone knows about the bill. I talked to him about it on the show. So he's there. Malone is there. All right. Uh, and I'm going to talk about this. I'm, I'm going to do a video with Larry uh, Downs Jr. on Tuesday. We're going to talk about this in, in, in great detail. So uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is there. Matt Gates is there. Robert Malone is there. And they're all saying we have to do something about vaccine product liability. Every one of those people knows about my bill. Everyone. They've had it for over two years. And yet they didn't even bring it up. Ron Johnson's had it. I know. Because Dr. Zelenko, and break some news here, Dr. Zelenko gave it to him personally and said, here. Because he endorsed it. He gave it to Ron Johnson. Ron Johnson's had COVID hearings, you know, for two to three years. Not once has he mentioned the bill, nor Dr. Zelenko, that he has the cure for all of this. And he won't bring it up. That's how powerful Big Pharma is. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Breaking more news. You mentioned Ashley Babbitt earlier. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So if they can prove, which seems pretty demonstrable now from the case I've seen, that they actually, the FBI, the DOJ, the ATF, whoever was there, instigated this insurrection, that's a murder charge against all of them. Well, of course it is, because they're all guilty by, uh, by accessories. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, this, felony, and well, here's the murder. So nobody, they haven't done like a legitimate investigation of the murder of that poor woman. We had her mother on the show, by the way, Mickey uh, Wickoff. Oh. Josie got her. Mm-hmm. So uh, wow. I'm sure we can get her back in. Oh, you, the things that we have done on this show are staggering. I mean, why we don't have millions of listeners, I have no idea, other than censorship and the fact that people just don't listen to radio as much anymore. But uh, the things and the people that we have had on and the things we've talked about as boldly as we have years before anybody else. Pianki says, can't mute the show. <laughs> Pianki, I can get you on a second. I, I know you're there. Uh, I just want to, I want to go through my little history first, and then I'm going to bring him on. Then I want to talk about this, uh, this Fed that's uh, flashing a badge right there on camera uh, as part of the January 6th tape that have been released. It's really quite interesting. So just to give people the secret, I'm going to go through the whole sequence of events of the coup very quickly. One, the election was stolen. Two, the electors were prevented from uh, voting uh, for Donald Trump. Three, um, the, the dual slates of electors were refused to be sent back by Mike Pence. Four, January 6th had a coup under the Capitol uh, where they were all convinced to vote for the Brandon electors instead of the Trump electors. The next event was an entire year of uh, the, well, they had the Russia hoax and the impeachments and everything else. No, that was earlier. I'm sorry. Uh, and then they had the, um, then you had the January 6th committee, which is a Hollywood production, which was purely propaganda to maintain the coup. The latest part of the coup is all these indictments of Trump to get him off the ballot, okay? And the gag orders. They're all bogus. They're all unconstitutional. They have no basis in law. And all these people should be arrested. The judges should be thrown off the court, thrown in jail for doing this. It's election fraud. It's, it's uh, voter suppression. You know, it's any number of charges. But, the, but the, the third phase of the coup is the Trump indictments because they're trying to get him off the ballot because they know damn well when he gets in the presidency, guess whose asses are going to be uh, hauled into court and thrown in jail? The coup. You know, when he cleans house. John, what do you think? I'm going to get Pianchi on. Yeah, we can only hope that happens. Well, we got uh, uh, Pianchi. Let me give you a warning before I make it. Pianchi, I'm going to make your, your line live. So we'll cut the background noise, and we'll, we'll try again. I try to bring folks on smoothly here. I think we cut in John's comment. Pianchi, you like our history? You, you've heard this all before. 
Going with twenty twenty. Can you hear me now? I can. Yeah. Good. So yeah, it's John, true. what you're uh, yeah. what you're saying, the it's, it's difficult to to see how in the world that you would have the these Republican governors in on that also, but uh, apparently they were. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, okay. So something in terms of uh, China through neglect, because uh, the governor Te- uh, Greg Abbott of Texas filed a lawsuit with the Supreme Court you know, challenging the election results because it was fraud. And that they said that disenfranchised the Texas voters because you had all these illegal votes. And he was absolutely right. The Supreme Court refused to take the case, which constitutionally they could not do. They were mandated. Article 3 says very clearly that controversies between the states have to go to the Supreme Court, primary jurisdiction, and yet they didn't take it. So all their assets should be thrown off the court too, except Alito and Clarence Thomas are the only two that voted to take the case. That shouldn't have even been a vote. It should have been automatic. It should have been automatically put on the calendar. Back to you, Pianchi. Yeah, good morning to you, John. Well, those arguments should have went back to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court did not want to be in the position of electing president. But uh, that's what they should have stated, that it should have been. It's the same way when you have the arguments about the 13th and 14th Amendment mm-hmm. not being properly ratified. And when it's been brought up, the courts have said that it's up to Congress to address that problem. They don't want to address that themselves. Yeah, they'll address voting fraud problems. They'll address the Voting Rights Act. They'll address civil rights. They'll address Brown versus Board of Education. They're very selective in what they'll take. So that's the problem, you know. But if they have, if they're, if it's in Article Three, they have to take the case. There is no choice there. Yeah. So I'm going to get this article here in a second. I want to just get to – so, Pianchi, what do you think? You, are you ready to be on camera? Are you ready to go uh, visual on Rumble? Well, I've been in other places before, so. Okay. <laughs> do you like the idea? I'm just curious. I'm, I'm taking a opinion. I've already decided to do it, but I'm just curious what you think about us going visual. Well, I'd have to take some consideration to see what's going on. One okay. way that you can show your disapproval of operations or activities that a business is doing is by uh, boycotting what it is that they're trying to do. Well, I think after five years, you know, uh, of being with Blog Talk, and I and I leave, I think they'll get the message. You know, all the things I asked for, they didn't have. We don't have DB meters. Uh, we don't have a private line. You know, we don't have. Uh, they used to have a map of the states. They took that away, uh, and they don't promote our very unique show. You know, we, we have a show unlike any show on the planet, and yet, and I've written Blog Talk Management. I said, look, guys, do you know what you got here? I mean, I haven't really talked about this on the air. I don't talk a lot about internal stuff. But uh, since I've already decided to, to make the break, you know, we, we don't get the backing. You know, we're the world's only citizen legislative show on the planet, and yet you would think that, that uh, they would say, oh, this is great. This is the future. This is wonderful. Mm, no, it doesn't exactly work out that way. All right. Let me get one more opinion on switching to Rumble, and then I want to get this article by J.D. Rucker. Masked MAGA hat-wearing J6 insurrectionist caught flashing a badge. And Mike Lee has questions. Pianchi, back to you, and then we'll... Yeah, go ahead with the show. All right. Okay, thank you. (laughs) So anyway, so J.D. Rucker, one of my favorite writers, uh, he does the America First Report on Substack, and it's one of the very few I've subscribed to because he's he's almost always good. Uh, There's a few others, too. There's uh, there's one, uh, uh, Vigilant Fox, which has the Climate Minute, and if you go to our uh, Action Radio Environmental Group, uh, you will find that Norway has recently released a study saying that CO2 does not cause climate change. Isn't that great? We'll talk about that sometime, too. So this is America First Report, J.D. Record, November 19th. So yesterday, masked MAGA 
hat-wearing J6 insurrectionist, in quotation marks, caught flashing a badge, and Mike Lee, that's Senator Mike Lee, has questions. So it says, we've been told that anyone walking around the Capitol building on January 6, 2021, in an, quote, you know, is an insurrectionist. Apparently, at least some of them were part of the plan. Now, this is what John and I were talking about earlier. So everybody who knows anything about uh, what happened January 6 knows, if they listen to the show, that Trump was speaking. He started an hour late. I still don't know if that was on purpose or not. If I know Trump, it was because they've already calculated that it takes so much time to get to the Capitol because they knew damn well that the FBI operatives, mercenaries, Antifa and Black Lives Matter had to stop the electoral count at Arizona because that was the first battleground state. And that was the first uh, um, that was the first of the states with the dual slates of electors. And so they had to stop the count in Arizona and suspend Congress. That's why the uh, the, the doors to the uh, the House chamber, the joint session chamber, were broken at the start of the debate of Arizona. That was not an accident. That's proof that it was a coup. Everybody, you know, anybody who a little deductive reasoning can figure that out. Uh, I'm getting some background noise. You guys hearing that or is it one of your lines? I don't hear anything. Maybe Okay, might be Pianchi's line. All right, anyway, so please mute yourselves if you're not uh, talking directly to me. That way you can make hey, noise. Okay, I'm well, maybe it's, could, it could be my headset too because, uh, uh, like I say, I dropped my headset. <laughs> but on 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 Rumble, I don't need a headset. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna talk normally because I got a really good microphone on my uh, computer and good camera too, so I don't have to do a camera either. All right. Article says the FBI and likely other law enforcement agencies had people planted in the January 6th crowd in an effort to incite the so-called insurrection. Now, as John said, and I agree with, that I would be surprised and I would criticize the FBI if they didn't have people in the crowd. I mean, that's their purpose. They're the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And as much as I wish they, they didn't exist, um, because constitutionally there's no justification for them, there's no, there's no delegation of authority from the states to the federal government for a national police force, nor is there, just, there is delegation that they be armed. Uh, they're both armed and a national police force. But anyway, given that situation, it would still be interesting. It would still be important, I think, to have investigators of some kind at you know, any kind of a rally like that, especially at the Capitol building, given you know, what happens in Washington. Our laws are made there. Um, however, when they cross that line, when they cross that line you know, and become participants, when they become active participants in changing the government through a coup, when they come active participants in escorting, welcoming, directing, or forcing Trump supporters into the Capitol for the purposes of causing a distraction so that the members of Congress can be brought below the Capitol so they can have their arm twisted to vote for Brandon electors because Mike Pence refused to send him back to the, uh, the states where they should have gone, that is a coup. That's where they have crossed the line. Still getting background noise. How am I doing so far, gentlemen? Make sense? John, at what point in in, in thing do they say uh, you cross from observer to participant? What do they tell you? Uh, say you had a demonstration in L.A. Uh, Atslan. Remember Atslan or La Raza? Saying that uh, California mm-hmm. needs to go back to Mexico. They had demonstrations. You were probably a police officer when they had demonstrations. At uh, what point, if you were or anybody you know, plain clothes. I know like I said, we don't want names. We don't want specific. We don't want to identify people. But do you know of plain clothes officers that were just there observing, watching, you know, and they could still arrest people if, they, if crimes were committed, but weren't they there? I bet you they were. Yeah, absolutely. Just, absolutely. Okay. They, would, they wouldn't actually make the arrest. The way oh. that's supposed to work is all those people do is identify hotspots. Okay. So we would go into the crowd. We would say, 
okay, it's mostly peaceful. It's entirely peaceful. They're just walking around. However, on this corner, we're starting to see activity that's going to lead to danger or lead to destruction or lead to property damage or someone getting hurt. You call that hotspot in, you have a heavy police presence in that area to quell that before it even becomes a problem. Where you cross the line is when you become, sure. Where you cross the line is when you start to instigate that problem, where you're the one who throws the first stone. You're the one who tells, hey, look at that. That ain't right. You're instigating that right. You become an active participant in the problem. That's mm-hmm. the line that they crossed. So police that do that, what, what kind of crimes uh, would, could they be charged with? The, the cops that do it? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, generally speaking, you know, one, they'll get fired. Uh, they get decertified in California now. But also okay. then you get charged with the actual crimes that they commit because you're, you're part of the, the oh. problem. So whatever, okay. whatever happens in that riot, um, mm-hmm. you get charged with instigating the riot, and then you could also get charged with whatever subsequent crimes happen. And there's no immunity for that? The police immunity wouldn't cover you? No, because you're not qualified at that point. It's outside the scope of your duties. So we're okay. back to qualified immunity that you talked about earlier. Yeah, the only qualified right. immunity would cover them if they were – so if I was at the event in a plain mm-hmm. closed capacity and something were to happen and I called it in, I wouldn't be responsible for what happened. Okay. Even though I was there, and technically I'm still a police officer, my role at that point in time was to call in the cavalry and let them have it and handle it. Yeah. So even if a crime was was committed, you're not liable or responsible. Uh, I mean, you do what you can, obviously. <clears throat> but if you can't prevent something from happening, you're, you're, there's no accountability that um, you failed to do something, right? Yeah, there's no failure to act at that point. No, because you were acting in a okay. capacity where you're you calling the cavalry. Now, there's probably some... There's some more moral and ethical concern. If someone's going to kill somebody, commit a murder in front of them, they would step in. Mm-hmm. Right. But if someone's going to, you know, spray paint a building or you know break a window, they're not stepping mm-hmm. in for that. They're just going to identify that guy, and they'll call in the police, the the uniform police, to come take him on. What a time will happen is too. They'll just follow him through the crowd. So they'll say, okay, look, this guy did this. As they're mm-hmm. calling it in, they're just eyes and ears to to guide those units in to apprehend the people that are doing it. You see, I have no problem with that. That makes perfect sense. You know, you're following the Constitution, you know, reasonable search and seizure applies, you know, suspicion, probable cause, you know, before arrest, the whole bit. It's all there. So this is this makes perfect sense. Now, are the federal stand. Go ahead, Bianchi. How would they know a cop is is there if he's undercover? They wouldn't. That's the point. That's why you put those people in. So the same with January 6th. They should. I don't know. The feds would do it because it's a federal building. But the. Capitol Police should have, so they can coordinate and guide their people in if there's a hotspot. Right? So let's say it's outside and people are now starting to break down the barriers, or you could see that crowd starting to swell and they're starting to make that push. That's where that plainclothes officer would call in and say, this is the location, this is what's going on, you need to get people here to, to mitigate the damage or to prevent it from happening. That's the way it's supposed to work. So the reason they're there is just eyes and ears and observation and to gather intelligence. So they may just pick off the leaders and say, okay, these are the people that are instigating it. Mm-hmm. They'll deal with the immediate problem, and then they'll go backtrack and get the people that caused it. Do you carry cameras? Do you oh, photograph you people? Uh, sure, they carry cameras. They carry audio, video. It's easy now. Like back in the day, it was really hard because we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have that technology. So a lot of it was just straight radio communications or phone calls. Now everybody's got a cell phone. Everybody's got the cell phone out. It's easy to mm-hmm. videotape everybody. 
and you got facial recognition, you know, and they can develop, I guess, profiles and things like that. I don't think that's a bad word. Anyway, Pianki, you had a question that I want to get back to uh, the article here before Jonathan gets here. Well, yeah, even when you had the police themselves taking barricades down, beckoning people the, in. Yeah. That well, was, that's that's the, a good question. I was going to ask that. Yeah, go ahead. That's a good question. Yeah, so question. even though that was their monitor thing, they must have been in on the coup also. Yeah, I agree. And those people should be prosecuted and held accountable, 100%. Yeah. But that starts, so that's, where, that's, that's bottom to top. And that's part of the problem we have in, in law enforcement in general is what they'll do is say, okay, those officers didn't act inappropriately, and they'll fire those guys, but they'll never fire the people at the top who gave the orders. Well, those officers will say, happen. we were just following orders. Give me immunity, and I'll tell you who did it or something like that. Yeah, but Does they're not going to cut that deal because they're insulated. It won't matter. No. Oh, okay. All right, let's talk about that. Are there any differences in standards um, between what you described and, you know, going from observer and law enforcement, you know, proper duties to instigator and trapper and actually part of it? Are the standards any different federal law enforcement? No. Mm, that's interesting. It, well, okay. well, well, for federal, well, federal, they actually, there may be enhancements on the federal level and they'll serve more time because it's that 70% rule, but they've got to serve 70% of the time so they can't get out early. So they have, they actually probably get a harder sentence on a federal crime only because they have to serve more of their time. Whereas the state level, they may get out in six months on a, you know, a six year sentence, huh. six year sentence of the federal, they get out in four years. Yeah. Five. So here's, here's the problem we've had with January 6th and Pianca and I have talked about this before. The doors were open. If you thought an insurrection was there, you wouldn't open the doors. You'd lock them. Uh, they were welcoming people in. Um, I forgot the, the gentleman's name who wore the, the costume everybody knows, was being escorted around the Capitol. They came out with the videos. Uh, the bullhorn guy was directing people in. Capitol Police were actually pushing people into the Capitol. They're all part of the coup. And this is all going to come out on camera now that this is what's happening. So this is the problem people have. You know, it was the undercover people. It was, and let's talk about this picture here. So if anybody goes to uh, America First Report, J.D. Rucker, November 19th, you scroll down, you'll see a picture of, uh, of a guy. He's either black or it's just bad lighting. I'm not sure which, but he's got a MAGA hat and he's flashing a badge right there. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> it's got a timestamp. Idiot. <laughs> he's right there flashing a badge wearing a MAGA hat, dressed as a Trump supporter. I don't think so. <laughs> You know, how can they be that stupid? I guess they didn't think these films were going to come out. Plus, some of that's just amateur hour. Huh. You, you know, it's interesting. You probably, too, uh, guys, you probably got a group of guys that, one, they know they can trust, but don't do right. this for a living. It'd be a far cry well, different from him. So if I were to hire – so I've got some really good friends who did this for a long, long time. So if I uh-huh. were to hire one of my boys and say, hey, you're going to go in here, that would never happen. But if I was going to take the rookie off the street that I knew was going to do exactly what I told him and stick him in a situation, you're going to have that stuff going on all day long. Cause they don't oh, really interesting. So there, so the, the rookies are more willing to, quote, just follow orders than the veterans who know better? Yeah. Well, in large part, because they just don't have that training, they don't have the knowledge. They don't have the, they don't have the experience yet. And it, it's not only just the rookies. It's guys you know you can trust. They will handpick people for these assignments based on the assignment especially in a corrupt organization like this, you wouldn't like pick Michael somebody. Bird. So what? You wouldn't yeah. pick Serpico. <laughs> <laughs> no, you pick Michael Bird. Uh, Pianchi, you had right. a point that I want to ask about Michael Bird. 
Pianky, what was your point? Well, yeah, I was going to say, well, you, uh, you, you just mentioned his name. Uh, that was murder, what he done. And they are back, they are covering up for him. Should I say the other cops that was, the, the other authority that was there in the vicinity when he done what he done, it was murder. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. There's no, zero justification for what happened in that shooting, zero. But because he did what he did in the Capitol, because of the, what they're saying happened there, and because they control the investigation, he's mm-hmm. never going to get prosecuted. Even in the Trump Ever. administration? I doubt it. I doubt it. Huh. What's he going to – so, and we're back to if you were to testify against the powers that told you to do it, well, if those powers control the investigation, they're not going to prosecute you because they don't want that out. They don't want him to say, okay, look, you're going to prosecute me for murder? Hey, you guys are the ones who told me to shoot this person because he was coming to the Capitol and you were afraid for your life. Would they have a, can you imagine, uh, an accident? Can you let that person <laughs> with that? Yeah, Could they have a, an accident? Sure. No, that's we laugh about that, but that's factual. That's true. I'm not laughing. I'm, I'm. I mean, you, you get the tone of voice, but I'm just thinking. You know, uh, I always remember right. that scene in the movie uh, Shooter. You know, where the old guy, mm-hmm. the old Tennessee uh, uh, gun expert, he said when, when the young FBI guy asked him, you know, what about the the Kennedy assassination? He says, uh, you know, he says the and the old guy says, well, the people that uh, you know killed uh, Kennedy, uh, they were dead. They're three hours later, you know, buried in the desert. And he says, how do you know that? He says, I still have the shovel. <laughs> yeah, and that's probably closer to truth than, than uh, and this is a fictional movie, but yeah, that was interesting. All right, so it's, it's a mom mentality, right? It's it's it'd be a shame if something happened to your family, right? So let's put you beside Michael Bird. You're there in the Capitol, undercover. Michael Bird draws a gun and is about to fire through glass into the crowd. Now what? You got to stop him. Flat yeah. out. You you got to take that gun and put it down. Say no, this isn't a gun problem, dude. Sorry, but nobody did. You had either. Well, I don't expect the Antifa or whoever was breaking in. So the people that were breaking in, that were breaking the windows, I am guessing that's Antifa, Black Lives Matter, or FBI mercenaries or operatives. Because the Trump supporters weren't doing that. They didn't want to break anything. They didn't even want to go into the Capitol. So somebody yeah, did. Yeah, I think that. he was that's, by that's himself. Organized. What's that? So he was by himself. He was by himself when he shot her. He was he was barricaded behind that door going into the into the house I think one of the, one of the sides but there was nobody there to stop him because he was he was acting as the guard for that location so he was solo but he has to know better period there's zero justification for what happened there none put and why that, wouldn't you shoot the people that were trying to break in I mean not that you shoot anybody but if you were going to shoot anybody wouldn't you do it to the guys breaking the windows and trying to force the doors open actually Babbo was trying to stop them. Well, no, she, Why was, her? she was climbing into the window. She was climbing in the oh, window she, when it happened. Oh, she was climbing. Okay. Yeah, she was climbing into the window. So the window was broken. But, she was climbing into the, into the area. But you arrest people for that. You don't assassinate them. No, agreed. It's not a deadly force situation, period. It's huh. a property crime at that point. Yeah, yeah. It's a property crime. Can you imagine? So flip that to the cop side. Let's put mm-hmm. George Floyd coming through the window and a cop shoots oh. him. Oh, that's a great scenario. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And make it a white cop. Absolutely. It's the same problem. Absolutely. Same scenario, but because it happened where it happened, because it was a black cop, because it was a woman who was white, and because it was the January 6th incident, that's going to be okay. There's plenty of video footage on that. There's no justification for that whatsoever. None. You talk to any legitimate cop out there, and they're going to tell you the same thing. We've had this discussion with my friends. 
guys that are active, non-active, and we've all said the same thing. Absolutely. You should bring them on the show. Jam, bring them on the show. If they want to come anonymously, that's fine. I don't care. I'll, 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 I'll know credibility as soon as they open their mouth. <laughs> so that's what I don't worry about folks coming on anonymously. I've, I've had them before. And they, you know, wow, I arranged it ahead of time, but I've had people bring on folks, and it, it doesn't take long to establish their credibility. But, uh, yeah, you're welcome to bring anybody on. Let me um, let me just do it. We've got about four minutes before Jonathan gets here. So let me just read some of this article real quickly, and then we can react to it. I want to start again. It says, the FBI and likely other law enforcement agencies had people planted in the January 6th crowd in an effort to incite the so-called insurrection. That's not used to anyone who doesn't get brainwashed by corporate media. But knowing it and actually seeing it, two different things. And this is why I think it's really significant. Is the, which is why the image captured by former political prisoner Derek Evans is so striking. So he uses terms like political prisoner and DC gulag. I think, I think I started those. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure it started with Action Radio. Anyway, he says the paused portion of the recently released J6 video shows a man wearing a MAGA hat and facial coverings. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. Flashing a badge at someone off screen. And then it's, let me see, da, 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 da. Oh, here we go. Then he says, uh, this was sent, then he says, Evans tweeted, this is Derek Evans. I'm not sure, Johnson would know who he is. Anyway, he says, this was sent to me. Is this person flashing a badge? If so, this would prove there were undercover federal agents disguised as MAGA. I was thrown in solitary confinement for peacefully protesting. I just want the truth to be known. Please, I guess, RT respond or something like that so we can get the truth either way. And then it says Senator Mike Lee says he will ask FBI Commissioner Chris Ray, who I think is a known psychopath, uh, about damning evidence, but doesn't explain, doesn't expect anything truthful to come of it. I don't either. He says, I can't wait to ask FBI Director Chris Ray about this at our next oversight hearing. I predict that, as always, his answers will be 97 percent information free. Yeah, let's talk about uh, a couple of psychopaths that I, I believe. Uh, Hillary Clinton. Uh, lies without a conscience. Um, Alejandro Mayorkas, lies without a conscience. And Chris Ray, lies without a conscience. These people are true psychopaths. Now, given, John, what you know about actual psychopaths, having dealt with them, what do you think? Uh, does it, do they qualify? Anybody that can lie as well as these people do. Mayorkas says, oh, the board is secure. Knowing full well, there's a video right behind him showing, you know, ex- Thousands of people crossing in, waving, hey, I'm in America. You know, it's obviously not secure. He knows, it, he knows it's not secure. The Congress knows it's not secure. Everybody who's watching the video knows it's not secure. And he says the border is secure. That's a psychopath because he smiles. John, what do you think? I'll get Pianchi. Yeah, that's a long list. Schiff, Comey, Obama, oh, you're on right. their own. But these you're, hearings you're, are just – the problem with huh. these hearings is they do nothing. Huh. This is just an exercise in futility, and this is to make them look like they're doing something when they're absolutely doing nothing. Yeah. So they want to do something. They'd call Ray out, and then they'd impeach him, mm-hmm. and then they'd prosecute him, but they're not going to do that. How many times have they come up there committed perjury demonstrably, mm-hmm. and they're not going to do anything? But they'll put Martha Stewart in prison. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, the, the same thing happens with um... – uh, who, I was just thinking of somebody. Actually, Jonathan's not. I'm going to bring him on in a second. But um, uh, oh yeah, Doctor Fascist. Sure. You know, Doctor Fascist. Uh, one Anthony Fauci, who is a true psychopath. Not only he he's like the worst of Doctor Mengele and uh, Joseph Goebbels rolled into one. He's both a dangerous doctor with very limited knowledge. He's not even a virologist. He just has a basic medical degree, and he's a master propagandist, like Goebbels. Uh. ISIS is on the cake is how they're asking the Supreme Court to create ethical rules for their behavior. 
and I'm going to write that down right now for Jonathan. But he's got his own yeah. report. We're going to do, for, like I say, I've been uh, too many times. I have, uh, I've uh, just, you know, inspired Jonathan. He has a perfectly good report prepared. I say, hey, let's ask about this, <laughs> and then we never get to his report. And then so me, uh, in the hearing, you had uh-huh. uh, a person who, in their lifetime, has been supportive of separate groups in the country. Uh, that is Benny Thomas, and here he's a hearing sitting at the head of a hearing, uh, accusing uh, innocent people and of what they're being accused of, uh, this has gotten completely out of control. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, hold up. Let's bring on Jonathan, and we'll get his report, and then we can come back to this uh, later if there's time. But this, thank you both very much. This has been fascinating. What is the law? Are we under the rule of law? Does that mean those who make the laws rule us? Aren't we under the consent of we the people? where we write the laws we consent to be governed by and rule the government? Who is the law? Is it the Supreme Court, the President, the Congress, the states? Can you take the law into your own hands? Is there any time the law isn't in your own hands? In a country under a coup d'etat and a stolen government, there is no law. But there are a whole bunch of things being done in the name of law. And now, with this state of confusion and contradiction, let's try to find a way out together by using the law. Because if our government of the people, by the people, and for the people means anything, it means we the people are the law. And now, to try and make some sense of all this, and use the law as it was meant to be used to find our way back to freedom, it's time now for the legal report with Jonathan Mosley. I always love doing the legal themes. I mean, maybe it's just because this is the part of the show that I think inspires me the most. All right, Jonathan, I got one question, and I promise I won't ask any more. Um, what do you think of going on Rumble? Uh, are you excited by being visual? Yeah, are you no, like I mean, a lawyer? Well, <laughs> go ahead. I'm not so excited about that, but I, uh, but I, <clears throat> I mean, you might you might crash Rumble if you put me on. Uh, but but the if you get the technical details worked out, yeah, I think uh, like I said uh, in a message, I think Steve Bannon's war room just switched over to a Rumble, whatever you call it. I don't know. When you go to Real America's Voice, it, uh-huh. it accesses the war room through um, through Rumble, so I, it can it can be done. Um, Okay. Yeah, he looks like Bye-bye. hell. You ever seen him? He, he, his hair is all mussed up. He looks like he rolled out of bed five minutes previously. He hasn't shaved in a, in two weeks. I figure if he can do that, we can wear old t-shirts. I got a bunch of old t-shirts I'm going to wear for the show. We this is going to be casual. <laughs> this is going to be very casual. So no ties. You know, just just be yourself. Well, you know, you know the old saying is: so, so you can, are you going to look like Zelensky with his his? Uh, I mean, because you know, in in it was it's remarked on. At, um, how um, when there's bad weather in the U.S., mm-hmm. the, the weather the reporters have to all put on sweaters like they were just outside, um, you know, um, shoveling the the driveway <laughs> to kind of relate to, to people who are stuck at home. And, yeah. and so this, you know, the people who would normally wear a suit when there's a snowstorm, they have to put on a sweater and everything like that, which is why I assume that Zelensky 
um, you know, wears this green thing like, he, you know, he was just out uh, <clears throat> firing mortars at the enemy and he just came inside to get on TV. Um, yeah, so I don't know. We have to get polo shirts uh, with the Action Radio logo on it. I think I, I'm going to have to get them some monogrammed. I'll get like five different ones for like five different colors for each day of the week. <laughs> you know, start lighting, you know, you know, like white know. on Monday, red on Wednesday, black on Friday. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some fun with this anyway as we grow. Yeah. Anyway, okay. so, so I, I, like I said, I, it, you know, I, anything – <clears throat> anything worth doing can be done badly. So it's just a, it's a tech, tech, you know, it's a matter of the technical things of making. Well, I'll work. do my best. <laughs> well, <laughs> see what I'll happens. Yeah. Right. So anyway, so we, in fact, we had. Well, I don't know. Would that have helped last week when we were? Um. Um. You know, would that oh, have? Oh, uh, canceled. Oh, that's another reason. Yeah. I'm exactly. Yeah, I got four cancel shows in two weeks. Because I couldn't connect to the show. That's not our, that's not our fault here. That's that's uh, that's and Blockstar told me that they got technical difficulties. They have connection problems. They got a new connection system that's not working, and so that has greatly hastened my decision. Uh, that plus the fact so, we got Citizen Legislation Day. I want to be visual for that because I might broadcast directly from there. Don't know. <laughs> so, it's, so it's the old we made it better and now it doesn't work. Mm, yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So they they tried to fix it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if you say, well, it ain't broke. This is well. Step aside. I'll take care of that. Yeah, let's break it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll fix that immediately. <laughs> That's like Washington philosophy. It's one All of right, the top. What you been working anyway, on? What's on your mind for this week? So, so we were going to talk. We've been trying to talk for a couple weeks about um, the, the lawfare against Donald Trump, um, and I've tried to explain to a lot of people. I mean, even 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 many of the lawyers. On January 6th, don't seem to get it. <clears throat> Trump's lawyers don't seem to get it. Um, on social media, I've, I, I've started referring to uh, a lawyer, Alina Haba, mm-hmm. that, uh, who is, um, uh, well, she's e- easy on the eyes, let me say. There's a picture oh, of her she's in a swimsuit at, at Mar-a-Lago. But, what? But when it comes to a swimsuit lawyer, picture? Wait a minute, I haven't seen the swimsuit huh? picture yet. I haven't seen the swimsuit picture what? yet. I'll have to take a look. Oh, I have to. I guess I have to put it up there. But, but, um, but they, um, she's. A, I've been referring to her as a velociraptor. Um, oh. Some people don't seem to understand what that means. But like, you know, you say someone's a tiger, but when it's a woman, that maybe has different connotations. Or no, that's you know, someone. You think of a cougar, John. But I think, yeah, that's the wrong idea there. But um, <laughs> then, um, but the um, the thing is, is that. Um, she, saying she's a tiger as a lawyer is not strong enough. So hmm. I, I, so I, I was calling her a, a, a velociraptor, and most hmm. people are like puzzled by. by don't they watch um, Jurassic they Park? Know. I mean, you know, velocity is speed, and raptor is predator. Yeah, it's pretty, well, pretty easy I, 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 had to, I had to explain to, to friends like, well, look, I wouldn't want to be between her and whatever her client wants. Um. The um, anyway, so so then we were going through. So she's the only lawyer who um, who uh, seems to know what she's doing. Mm-hmm. I, I, except I don't know why she and Trump are not um, firing, you know, ninety percent of the other lawyers. Um, <clears throat> so here's the thing. Of course, 
on Friday, they made the announcement that the judge in Colorado, remember in Colorado, uh, they were trying to keep Trump off the ballot. Mm-hmm. And, and they're, not, they're not done yet. Of course, they're, um, they, uh, um, they, uh, uh, you know, it's a win-win for them because they're, they just keep the, the narrative that, that, Trump, that there was an insurrection and Trump is guilty of an insurrection, whether they win the case or they don't. Um, so they're going to they're going to keep trying it. The Michigan Supreme Court <clears throat> decided uh, last week um, was it last week or about a week ago that um, the laws and the 14th. Now everybody remembers, of course, that the 14th Amendment, Section Three, says that um, a, someone who's who's engaged in an insurrection against the court. Uh, and, um, you know, or a rebellion or give an aid and comfort to the enemy of, of the United States, um, then they, uh, um, they cannot hold, and it became important what hold means, um, to, uh, they, they, they cannot, um, um, they cannot, um, hold any federal office. So that you know what they're what they're doing is to try to say that Trump cannot be on the ballot. <clears throat> of course, you know as, as we pointed out, nothing says that the election was fair and balanced and 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 honest than to arrest and indict anybody who says it's not. And well, um, to try to let me just jump in here for a second because uh, we talked about this a little bit in the first hour that this is just another phase of the coup. The first phase was stealing the, the election. Next was Mike Pence. You know, not allowing the Trump electors to be considered, and then January sixth, where they uh, they they uh, you know caused the insurrection below the Capitol, stealing the election again. Then the January sixth committee, the following year, was part of the coup, and this year's part of the coup uh, to maintain the illegal government is to have Trump indictments to keep him in the news and try and discredit him and keep him off the ballot because once he's on the ballot and wins the election, you know, the a lot of them could find their asses in court uh, and arrested and hopefully thrown in jail. So this is just another phase right. of the coup. Make sense? Well, it is, but um, of course, <clears throat> at the same time, part of the <clears throat> part of the coup is that the liberal media are going nuts um, because they're they're claiming that Trump is going to do to them what they've been doing to Trump. <laughs> um, like he's well, well, going to so. he's going. <clears throat> and, so. and of course, of course, they're lying. For example, you know, it's long been a discussion in politics that you know if we do this. Sooner or later, it's going to come around, and we're setting a new precedent and a new, a new low. And someday, we're not going to be in the majority, and they're going to do it to us. So um, they, uh, um, you know, so he, so Trump says that now. Trump, well, first of all, um, you know, they cut off. They, they, first of all, they flat out lie. So I'm not saying that I can, I could, uh, um, he could avoid it. But he doesn't like he, he he talks about for example he talks in some speeches and interviews about so if so <clears throat> if I if I were in office and I see an, an an opponent is is gaining traction I could just have him arrested now he didn't clearly say like you know do you you know do we want this as the new rule he just sort of jumped into the middle of the conversation and so they're claiming that he. You know he's going to arrest everybody and 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 all all kinds of things like that. 
um, which is not what he said. Uh, and and they say that you know that he, you know he again they they keep going on this this insane idea that you know Trump says our enemies are smart, and and that means that and, and the media tries to say that means that they that he um, proves them you know that 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 he approves of them and that he's praising them, and that's just an <laughs> idiot. Exactly. I mean. Well, I mean, it's an, maybe it's an idiotic part of our society, which is that, you know, like, for example, we want to, let's say we want to fight, um, uh, we, we want to fight the Nazis in World War II. Mm-hmm. And so um, society feels, you know, running a, a society that runs on feeling wants to say that the, uh, the Nazis are stupid and dumb and idiotic and and they're morons okay well then why are we fighting them because if they're that bad then what's the big deal um and you know but sun tzu in the art of war he emphasized that you have to know yourself and you have to know your enemy so so knowing that your enemy has strengths and weaknesses and, and your enemy is not stupid and you better not let your guard down and you better be prepared that is not agreeing with your enemy. That's being prepared. And so these idiots are doing, are doing all that. But anyway, so they're, they're absolutely freaking out that if Trump were elected, he might do to them what they've been doing to him. Um, that's what I say. I'm hoping for that. Yeah. Uh, well, here's a question for you real quickly. Speaking of Sun Tzu, and then Pianchi's got a couple of questions. He's got some good questions on live chat, but I want to get your reporting first. But Sun Tzu, uh, if you know yourself and know your enemy, you're going to win. If you don't know yourself and don't know the enemy, you're going to lose. I mean, that's a simplification. So it seems to me that the Democrats know themselves. They're ardent Marxist, ideologically driven, you know, godless communists. Uh, and they know their enemy, the Republicans, you know, the geldings, the weak. They don't care. They can beat them every time. The Republicans know neither themselves because they think they're important, yet they don't do anything. And they certainly don't know the Democrats. They, 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 uh, I don't think they have any concept that the Democrats are the alpha party and they're the beta party. And that, uh, so they're, they're in a position of not knowing themselves or the enemy. And therefore, they're, they're not even in the battle. Well, How am I doing? Well, I, I agree. I, I agree. And, the, the, you know, Sun Tzu, he never said that you're guaranteed to win. But he says almost always you will win if you, if you know yourself and you know your enemy. But if you don't know either, you're guaranteed to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and you're absolutely right. The Republicans, I mean, and the only reason, Democrats do not really know them. I mean, oh, I guess I would say that they, 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 they don't know themselves because they're, they're totally deluded. But they do know Republicans that were cowards and stupid and, and we could be pushed around and, and bullied and everything like that. Um, but the only re- but the only reason the Democrats win is because Republicans are so awfully stupid. You know, if if we if if Republicans were halfway de- decent in politics, we mm-hmm. wipe the floor with the Democrats. But you're right. Yeah, it's people because people don't like their policies. Because, the Democrats think that yeah. the, the America likes their policies, and we hate their policies. But that's why they have to steal elections. I, but the, but the Republicans think that uh, the Republican base loves them. And we can't stand them. They, they, so that, that's why I say they don't know themselves. Well, well I'll, I'll hold on. Again, I, I say that there are two Republican parties. There's right. the establishment Republican Party, the Rock, Rockefeller Republicans, and that that's true. They all need to they all need to leave and go, you know, <clears throat> sell insurance. But but the but but the Republican Party as a whole, um, 
you know, they, they do. I mean, I've, <clears throat> I, I got involved in politics in 1984 in the, in the, mm-hmm. uh, Reagan Bush election. My mother was in, in, <laughs> yeah, I know, isn't it? My, it, it, my, my mother was in, um, Eagle Forum before that. And all this time we, you know, every, all the, all the Republicans and, and ordinary people, you know, they're like, no, the Democrats can't be that bad. No, oh, you're, you're just exaggerating. You're, they're just, mm-hmm. you know, they, they're just nice people. They have their own opinions and we have ours. We've spent all that time, in my knowledge, you know, just, just getting people to the point of saying, no, they're not good people. You mm-hmm. know, they are not. I mean, if, if anyone was a good person in the Democrat Party in, in, over the last couple of decades, they would have left. So how, how do I know that all Democrats are evil? Because anyone who wasn't evil would have said, you know what, this isn't for me. And they would have, they would have, you know, left and gone, you know, somewhere. So anyway, so yeah, we don't, Republicans do not know our enemy. We're completely mm-hmm. deluded. It's the same thing like with Ukraine and Russia. You know, I wish Ukraine, you know, I, 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 I w- wish that Ukraine would do well and, and nobody would be harmed and everything like that. The problem is, is that we have all these idiots and think tanks in Washington Mm-hmm. who refused to understand Russia. I mean, I don't care if you like Russia or if you don't, um, you better understand what's going on. So anyway, you don't have to like them to understand them. That's the thing, too. You don't have to like them to understand them. You don't have to be sympathetic to their cause and to know them well. In fact, some would say just the opposite. You can love them or hate them. It doesn't matter. But as long as you understand them, that's what's key. But, but in, in today's society that is all about feelings, mm-hmm. you do. Because if, 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 if oh, anybody, okay. I mean, because the whole point is, is like the two minutes of hate in 1984. You know, everybody right. has to sit there and hate the enemy for two minutes in, in a group. So, so the, you know, so to think anything positive about our enemies deflates their emotional, you know, um, whatever, you know, obsession. So, so yeah. you can't, you, in today's society that is all emotion driven, um, you know, you have to say that, that the Russians are uh, weak and incompetent and stupid. And, okay, well, then why are you afraid of them moving past Ukraine and going into Europe if they're so bad? If they're so awful and stupid and, and you know, and, and backward, then you know, ignore them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, so this is what's going on, you know, with, 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 with they're, 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 they're trying to trap Trump and all these things, too. But let, let's go through some of these things. So... The Fourteenth okay. Amendment says that that the um, um, that one cannot hold federal office. And now the details here, they, they've been fighting in, in in Michigan. They said that the rules of for that only apply to the general election. Maybe the parties choose their nominee, and so mm-hmm. they they punted and and threw out the challenge to Trump appearing on the primary ballot mm-hmm. and says, well, you can come back and talk to us about the general election in, <laughs> in Colorado. And of course, some of this is based upon the local state laws, which are a little bit different, which really shouldn't be true. It should be under the constitution. Um, they, uh, um, so then Colorado is the one that's gotten the farthest where they had a judge. I think I, I did get to mention a little bit. This judge donated to um, to an anti you know, to a to a pack that is, I would basically describe as anti MAGA, um, and and 
she says she doesn't remember and she's not biased and hasn't made up her mind. So um, I don't know if I want a judge who can't remember that she donated to, uh, to an anti In fact, you know, actually it just occurred to me, you're supposed to disclose all those things so that mm-hmm. a judge can make the decision about disqualification. You know, when, when, I, when you file a lawsuit in federal court, you have to disclose if there are any, any connections. And she says, oh, I don't remember, you know, donating to anti-Trump uh, things, but I can hear a <laughs> case about that. Ignorance so of no excuses, they say, right? So that, so that, that, that doesn't count. Right, and, and, and I don't know if I want a judge that stupid that she doesn't remember um, mm-hmm. any more than one who's biased. Well, she's lying. She, obviously, she remembers. You know, right. so the, that that's that's even worse. Now that's corrupt. Well, I want to go to this Fourteenth Amendment language because it is as everything the, the you know the details are what count, and it gives you all these qualifications. Then it says, uh, so you can't be in office if you, and it says shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same. That would be the Congress. That would be, that'd be the uh, the United States uh, and the Constitution, or given aid and comfort to the enemies thereof. And so this was written for the Confederacy. Because the only group that has actually taken up arms against the, the, the federal government, against the Union, against the Republican Party, actually, uh, was the Democrat Party Confederacy that had any chance of actually being an insurrection. You know, I mean, the, the Trump, first of all, they don't meet the definition of an insurrection, but the deep state does because they stole the election. That's a coup. That meets the definition of an insurrection. So the people that are, that are per- prosecuting this are actually the ones who are guilty of the very crime they're prosecuting, bogusly. Right. And, and like, like, like everything else, they, well, you know, it's like <clears throat> um, the, the hyper-emotional child doesn't think beyond the, the moment. Right. So if this were the, the new cookie now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody, you know, every, I mean, all the, all the demonstrations that have been going on, they would all, mm-hmm. they would all be affected. Um, Rashida Tlaib would have to be kicked out of Congress if this was well, a new she rule. Be. Yeah. Well, well, what well, are they okay, doing? Anyway. Uh, what's the strategy of the defense in these cases, Jonathan? What are, what are they doing to, as um, we know? I mean, okay. we would we would say that it wasn't an insurrection. That uh, they did not. Sure. That, that actually they were there to support the Constitution. So if you're supporting the Constitution right, and you're supporting Trump the federal lawyers. government taking proper action, it's the opposite of an insurrection. Go ahead, Jonathan. All right. Well, Trump's lawyer strategy is to bill for as many hours as they can before Trump <laughs> fires them, um, make friends with the judge, and, and have everybody like them around the courthouse. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and they are, you know, they're, they're trying very hard to, uh, to look like they're defending Donald Trump when they're not. Um, uh, who's so, saying them? Are they being paid to, to lose the case? Is there, any, is there any real bribery or corruption that we know about? Or... Well, or, or some of the some of the, the, the usually like in the Colorado case, the petitioners who are these anti-Trump lawyers and crew, the citizens for, for responsibility and ethics in Washington, a thoroughly unethical <laughs> and irresponsible organization right. um, that came before they went after my friend Christine O'Donnell. Um, they um, and lie, of course, they, you know, lying is is the language of the left. Oh, lying for just um, cause is okay, Jonathan. Don't you know that? Lying is perfectly justified if, you, if, you, if your heart's in the right place, if, you, if you're trying to do some good. I guess so. <laughs> that, 
Uh, my, so, sarcasm is, so anyway, my sarcasm is, they, is they, yours, but I have my moments. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. They filed the petition to have to say against the Secretary of State of Colorado saying that under Colorado law, mm-hmm. um, the Secretary of State cannot print Trump's name on the ballot. Mm-hmm. And then Trump, the Republican Party, the campaign, and you know some various other people, they all intervene. Mm-hmm. Um, say we're the real party's in interest, and they then um, got a um, um, they were granted that, and, and so they have kind of a group group lawyers, you know, a, a group a group of lawyers who are sort of collectively uh, representing all of them. So the real, you know, that nominally it's a suit between the petitioners, the anti-Trump lawyers, and the Secretary of State, but in reality mm-hmm. it's the Trump lawyers who are who are showing up and speaking in low tones and missing, missing every opportunity, never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. And, and, and let me explain why I'm saying that. And that's not, I mean, if you listen, if you listen to them, you know, that the, the petitioners come out with this hard hitting opening argument with, with the new trend of showing video. Now, really, you're not supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. An opening argument in court in a trial is supposed to just tell the, tell the jury here, there's no jury at the judge to tell them, well, that's um, another problem, right? Where's well, the jury? Where's the jury? There are certain kinds of things that you don't get a jury for. This is an administrative thing. And so the law does not, does not allow a jury for it. Um, it that's wrong, but that's the fact <clears throat> that okay. you, you could not get a jury. So anyway, um, so the thing is that you're, you're just supposed to tell, tell the jury or the judge what the case is about, what you're going to argue and prove. Um, you're not, it, it's, it is improper to put, um, to, to refer to the facts that are not yet in evidence. The trial hasn't started yet. So, so nothing, ha- nothing is admitted into evidence. You know, so, so to show a video of, of different things, and the video is, it was just from the select committee, um, is really wrong because nothing shown in the video has been testified to yet or admitted as evidence, but it's the new trend. Of course, the new trend is to ignore the law completely, but um, they, um, um, so anyway, they go through that and they show all these, uh, all these things, including um, a part of it that um, defamed Trennis Evans, which I'll get to in a minute. So they came, they came with this, you know, aggressive, hard-hitting um, opening argument, and accusatory, and here it is, and, you know, he's, he's committed an a, a, uh, insurrection. And then the, the Trump lawyers, the, the lawyers for the Trump group, speaking loosely, a whole group, um, you know, he gets up and says, well, I didn't, I didn't make a video, and, you know, we just think that's wrong, and, you know they're they're um, they're just completely uh, weak, lame. Um, now, then the one thing that they did that was good, and I think we mentioned this a little bit before, is that they managed to get Cash Patel Everything. as a um, as a witness, and he testified that he testified extensively. That not only did Trump um, authorize a few days earlier ten thousand to twenty thousand National Guardmen guardsmen. But the Trump, but the Cash Patel was there in the room multiple times, and it was part of Cash Patel's job 
he wasn't just some bystander. He was, he was, I think, the chief of staff for the, uh, I don't know, the secretary of the army or something. And says he was in the chain of command for his boss mm-hmm. to authorize the 10,000 to 20,000 national guardsmen. Um, um, they, uh, um, who would they be under? You know, so, would they be under uh, the White House at that point, or would they be under Nancy Pelosi, or who, who would have the uh, the authority over those twenty thousand National Guard folks? Well, that's a good question. I mean, typically, of course, you have a state, and the state has a governor, mm-hmm. um, and, and and they would be they would be under the authority of the governor. Um, the oh, um, which governor? But, <laughs> what, wait, does Washington well, they have, have a national I mean, guard? I, they wouldn't because they're not a state. But I'm just, and they can never be a no, state because they, they, they do but... have a they do have they do have a national guard. Um, Washington D.C. D.C. has a national guard. Yeah. Wow. They do a small a small one. Yeah. Um, they uh um. They uh um. But they're not a state. So so, yep. so the mayor of so fun- functionally the mayor of D.C. Uh, is treated like the governor in many in many cases, uh, but anyway. So, so as as we all know, and and the the, the left wants to deny it. I mean, remember, Liz Cheney kept banging over and over again, you know, in the Select Committee. Um, that that by the way, the full name is the Select Committee for making stuff up about January sixth. Um, That's right. And we should we should highlight that every time. <laughs> I, I have. <laughs> I've done it even. In, Okay. Discussion support, uh, but uh, um, they anyway. So they um, so they they they, uh, they they keep they keep saying that he has um, that he that Trump did not call out the National Guard on that day. No, he did it three about three days earlier. I kid you not. I mean, they're that dishonest. They keep they keep saying over and over again on January sixth. Trump did not call out the National Guard. Well, that's because he already had. Yeah. And 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 Nancy Pelosi. But they know people aren't and, thinking of that. Yeah, they, they know people don't, are, are missing all those details. You know, like I, yeah, I keep saying that the Trump supporters not only were they not an insurrection, they were even protesters. They were supporters. They were there to support the Constitution. They were there to make sure that Congress did their job to count the electors properly. Right. That never well, comes true. out. We say it all the time here. Right, but 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 people would think. No one, I mean, I mean, when they hear that statement, they say, well, no one would be that dishonest. Yes, they are. <laughs> oh, they absolutely. are. They are that dis- dishonest and worse. Um, so, so, you know, it's like when you have guests over, you have to count the silverware after you, um, you know, but before they leave. Um, so, so anyway, they, um, um, so, so anyway, so they, 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 they say, they say that. And Cash Patel came out there and just destroyed the entire argument. I mean, the entire case was just completely blown sky high in a mushroom cloud by Cash Patel. Where did he one good thing? Was it was it uh-huh. in the trial or something? Where, where did he say this? Yeah, he was the first witness called in the trial. By defense and, or and prosecutors? It had to be defense, right? By, the, by yeah, by the by the Trump group lawyers. Okay. So that's the one thing they did right is is. The case was left, you know, in, in, as a pile of dust on the ground by the time Cash Patel got done. And um, they, uh, you know, so uh, then 
they call, I mean, but that was a defense. Of course, the, the other side goes first. Wait a minute, how did they do that? Well, they, they went, I mean, so, so then the, then the, the um, CR lawyers, I mean, the, the, the crew lawyers and the anti-Trump lawyers, they called a witness, and I'm not exaggerating. If you listened, he went on and on for like most of a day. But, hmm. but I, I, I am not, I'm saving you a day's time, but I'm not exaggerating. His argument is that he studies right-wing extremists. And so he can tell you, and I'm not exaggerating, this is the, this is the new trend. He will tell you what you mean. It's like when you say things, mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, it isn't what you think you mean. You know, even if you – we'll tell you what you meant, that you didn't even know you meant. Remember so, back when me, Reagan was president? Yeah, hold on a second. I want to get the thing. party straight on this because this is, this is important. So who, who are we talking about? That's, uh, are you talking about a witness and then the judge says what the witness said or the, all, the press reports on what the well, witness said? Who, who are we talking about here? I want to get the party straight. First of all, all, left, all leftists in lawfare are doing this. The prosecutors okay. are doing it. The government is doing it. The DOJ. It's the new, it's the new, uh, it's the new law across the board is hmm. that the left the left the government will be kind enough to tell you what you meant. So if you, if you went, you know, if you went to uh, Washington, D.C. as a journalist to videotape the, the, the events at the Capitol or, or you just walked by to get a hot dog, the government will be kind enough to tell you that, no, you were there to hang Mac, Mike Pence and um, that, uh, you know, and, and, uh, you were going to burn down the Capitol. And that's not guilt by association. Like, that, that, that's like guilt, guilt by wishful thinking. It is. <laughs> this is crazy. No, it is. And, yeah. and, and I, don't, I don't know why the, the, the right-wing lawyers are not screaming about this stuff. And I've told well, them, you, I've warned them, and like, there, there are chat groups among the lawyers. Right. And I keep, saying, I keep saying, you know what they're doing here? And I put it in pleading. It's like they're, they're going to tell us what we meant. You know, for example, there are all these emails and text messages mm-hmm. and, and social media statements that don't say what the prosecutors claim. And, you know, but the juries are buying, like, whatever, whatever um, the government says you meant is what you meant. And, and so that's what the, they had a whole day of testimony in, in the Colorado case called right. by the, the anti-Trump lawyers, in which he, he, he said, there are all these code words. When Trump said this, like when, when Trump said peacefully, you know, go, and, go to the Congress peacefully and patriotically, oh, he didn't really mean that. That's not what he meant. And, and when everybody in the world says fight, you know, all the Democrats talk about fighting for this and fighting for that. Oh, but Trump was Trump didn't mean that. Okay, every Democrat means just political activism when they say fight. Mm-hmm. But um, but Trump Trump meant means take up arms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he meant, well, do you he remember, meant actually fight. Yeah, because this is a great example. Says, Go ahead, Jonathan. I'm sorry. Well, because the expert says, I mean, what kind? The expert says that Trump didn't mean what it sounds like. It was all coded language they're all dog whistles dog whistles i was just gonna say yeah that's the next thing but this goes back to remember when we talked about spin when you first heard about spin when you'd watch a presidential debate and then the media would tell you what they want you to know about it 
and it was completely different than the uh-huh. debate. Or the other thing that infuriated me was when they'd say, well, we'll take a question from the audience. And the audience member asks a question, and then the person on stage completely rephrases it and asks a completely different question. So we've been watching right. this for 20, 30 years now. Spin control. Right. So, so, so this is actually courtroom spin control. Yeah, I mean, and, and it, it, in the, but, but what's different is in the past, that would have been ruled out of order because, um, because uh, it, it's speculation. It's not a fact. It's like, it's like arguing that, that you, know, ar- you know, arguing or asking that somebody meant something different than what they meant. That's just speculating. And well, that's not, out, doesn't it? They get thrown out of court. You can't do it. speculation, hearsay, you know, leading witness, whatever, whatever, whatever the legal term is. And there's probably a bunch of them that apply. You can't just but, make but stuff that's, up. But that's that's so that's so 2015. Oh, you're right. This yeah, is, yeah. We now we now, well, we now have a new. Well, yeah. what are the challenges to the judges? How come these judges? It's always a see. There's never a conservative judge on these cases. It's always a liberal judge. It's always in D.C. It's always with, or in most cases, when they can without a jury, if it's somewhere else other than D.C. Um, and and then not a single conservative district attorney has arrested a single Democrat. I mean, this is crazy. Well, because a Republican, a conservative district attorney wouldn't do that because the Democrats are just nice people with different opinions. Yeah, let's get people. You know, until, until, yeah. until the Go conservatives ahead, realize they're truly right. evil, yep. um, they're not going to I'm sorry, what did you say? No, I just say, well, Bianca had a question for you, but I want to get, give him a chance to, to ask actually a couple of questions. But they don't know themselves. Right. The Republicans don't know themselves. They don't know their enemy. They don't know their base. Uh, they, they, they're assuming things not in evidence, and they let themselves be walked on. I don't even know if they know they're being walked on, or do they, and they don't care. I don't know. I, I, I think, like, watching this trial, most of it was on C-SPAN, I mm-hmm. think these dumb Republican attorneys, they think they're winning. Oh, my because, God. Because oh. in, in, the, in their mind, well, the judge likes me. The judge... You know, maybe the judge will give me a Scooby, you know, a, a, a Scooby snack. Um, you know, um, and, and, you know, they think that by, you know, by buttering up the judge and 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 being nice and talking real low tones, they think they're winning. And and, okay, and let me yes. say before you change the the the, the story is that um, uh, oh shoot, now I forgot what. What I was going to say. That, that I they, um, sorry, I want, I want to have Pianchi ask direct questions on this. He's got a couple things. So you know, uh, in live chat. Yeah, go ahead, Pianchi. Yeah, good morning, Jonathan. And you know, I good think morning. you do a very good job of simplifying what it is that we've witnessed. But apparently, we got another problem. How is it that so many in the legal profession has turned up to be as rotten as what we are witnessing? It's just amazing. They don't seem to know how to find their way. And another point, Greg, is no, this let's the No, get answer on that first. No, yeah, get it. Let's take, okay. let's take these one at a time. Otherwise, people get confused. So, so, so they've lost their way, Jonathan. That's a perfectly good question. Well, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. You're <laughs> absolutely right. And I don't um, – I mean, to some extent, it's in, 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 inexplicable. But, 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 but it is true that, you know, the people, the people who become lawyers and judges, they – they go through left-wing schools, K through 12. Then they go to left-wing colleges, and then they go to left-wing law, law schools, which is just about all of them. 
And then, then they get hired by left-wing law firms, which is just about all of them. Um, and, uh, um, you know, but, but it, is, it, is, it is really hard to believe because when you look at, at judges that would be on the right in some sense, Republican or conservative or just, just you know, status quo or whatever, um, they're, they're exactly like rhino Republicans. I mean, the, the, everything you could say about yeah, about Rhino Republicans who don't do anything. You know, they 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 talk, but they never follow through, and they they pull their punches and all these kinds of things. That's what Republican lawyers all do. I mean, they they could easily be Republican establishment politicians. Are they I, all I the cannot. Same club? I guess they're all the same club, right? Huh? They go to lunch together. They all, they all drink their martinis together. They're all they're all like one big happy family. The lawyers and the, the yeah. politicians. They've all got. They've all got the mentality that you know the way to win uh, against the street thugs who are there, you know, shooting at them and stabbing mm-hmm. them is to make the judge, you know, is to make the judge like, well, we're not really so bad, Your Honor. You know, um, maybe if we maybe if we concede nine tenths of the case, the judge will give us one tenth. Um, it's like Marjorie Taylor Greene's trial. Remember when we talked about that? That, that was the perfect opportunity to present mountains of evidence fraud. She said, well, I don't remember saying that it was a fraud. I don't remember this. I don't remember that. We knew she was lying. She lied right there on the stand. In fact, I'm trying to get her on the show and ask her about that. I'm not going to accuse her of lying because uh, she'll hang up. But I mean, I want to know why she tolerated the lawyers you know, telling her to say that she didn't know if, if the election was stolen or not when damn well she knows it is and said so within five minutes after the trial. But the lawyers had this bogus, stupid defense. They should have said they should have had the Arizona results of the audit. They should have had testimony from Rudy Giuliani and, and Jen Ellis. They should have had all the hearings across the country. They could have had Doug Mastriano from Pennsylvania, uh, Pennsylvania put him on the stand. I mean, we've got uh, uh, what's her name, the woman, um, the, the 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 clerk that they keep trying to accuse. You know, I mean, all these people should have been on that stand. I mean, put on a real defense. The defense against accusing right. the election for being stolen is that the election was actually stolen. Let us show you. Right. Right. But the but the I mean, the, the, the lawyers would typically say, I will, you know, I, I will drop your case if you take that tax. The lawyers will say that. Oh, absolutely. They'll Why? say like, oh, you're just, you're just going to make the you're just going to make the, the the judge hate, you know, hate you. OK. Well, this is bad. Pianchi, I'll get back to Pianchi. Then, then uh, John has a All question right. for you, too. Pianchi. Well, on this uh, confederacy law, who's putting this forth? Is it the Secretary of State? It, it should be the legislature who steps in to pronounce that something or uh, someone is not permitted to be on the ballot in that state. I just can't imagine that the Secretary of State has that power all by itself. Well, yeah, and that's where that's where most of the lawsuit went. Is like um, it, it was it was all about technicality, like that, like. You know, does Congress have to do it? You know, can a state do it by itself? Um, can you can you just you know they talk about whether it's self-executing, which they don't really apply you know, explain very well. That's what most of the trial was about, other than the fact that that Trump clearly did not commit an insurrection, like I said. But but they're all about. I mean, and I think Trump's lawyers in their closing or proposed findings of fact talk about. You know, they, they filed 177 pages, uh, and it was all about 
things like like that. It wasn't about the main things. Like, no, he did not file. He did not commit an insurrection. And uh, but it was all about things like you said. If he did, who who is the right party to ask for it? Um, does Congress need to pass a law to implement it? They spent, you know, they spent a um, a week trial, but then you know, another week arguing after the trial about things exactly like that. And, you know, no, nobody, and then they're going back to different things that happened, you know, after the Civil what? War and everybody's got their different opinions. Trump, has never, no, Trump hasn't been charged with an insurrection. What did they get that from? They just want it, like, what did, what did Greg says, wishful thinking. They just say yeah. that, they just say that he did, and therefore, um, Therefore, he did because, you know, you know, when, when Trump, you know, and what one of the amazing things is, for example, is they argue from inaction. They, they say that what he didn't do proves that he engaged in an insurrection. He didn't, and they're and they're completely wrong because the the leg, the the, uh, the president. We don't have a king the way the leftists want us to. The president is not responsible for the security of, of the Congress. The, the Congress is a different branch. They have, they have established the U.S. Capitol Police by their own authority. Um, they, they, um, <clears throat> you know, but everybody assumes, well, he's the president, right? So can't he call in the army? No, he can't. If you, the, anti, the, the posse comitatus law, um, which is kind of weird, um, it is, uh, makes it a $10,000 fine and, and I think like a year in jail for anyone at any level who uses the military um, for domestic law enforcement. It is it is um, it, it is it is a crime in America for the president or anyone down to the lowest private. Each and every one of them are personally liable. Um, and, and, and the president, no, the, we, we do not use our military for um for, for law enforcement that's what they do in you know in in, in banana republic right and uh, but everyone just assumes well why didn't the president do anything well because we have the people who are supposed to do that did it um now they did have an expert witness arguing about that saying no he could have done this and he could have done that but um uh but that 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 was part of the argument now i saw and, and, and again, I thought that, you know, when, when the lawyers are spending all of their time putting the listeners to sleep, um, they're not really accomplishing much. So they, they were like down, way down in the weeds. But that's where it came down. And in fact, I, I, I buried the lead in effect. On Friday, um, this judge who donated to the anti-Trump PAC, um, they, um, um, she ruled that Trump engaged, there was an insurrection and Trump engaged in it. Um, and, but she said that the 14th amendment doesn't apply because the president is not an officer of the United States. I kid you not. <laughs> what? What? The, the, that that was one of the arguments. Because, uh, well, it, because he's the head of, you know, the idea is that officers are subordinate officers. Yeah. But now that's going to, so that's going to, and Trennis Evans came up with this analysis. I didn't, I didn't catch it. <clears throat> and they, um, um, what's going to happen is that's going to go up on appeal 
the appeal mm-hmm. court is going to laugh at that as being ridiculous and throw it out. And, um, and then it's going to come back with a finding of fact that he engaged in insurrection and then he's going to be thrown off the ballot. Mm-hmm. So it, it's being, it's being portrayed as a huge victory and we should, you know, um, get, get the momentum going, going for it. I mean, it would have been, because they're going to do this and they're doing this in every state. I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's literally Soros money, but, but this is not being done by the secretaries of state. And remember that on all these things, the indictments and, and the ballot stuff and everything else, they waited um, two years. You know, like if this was so bad, why didn't you do this when it happened? No, why did you wait for the, this is just the right. phase of the coup, as we talked about earlier, that this is coordinated. They're doing it in every state because they don't want an election. Now, now where are the civil rights laws? Where are the voting rights laws? Where are the uh, uh, all the different things, the voter suppression laws, you know, the, the, the election rules, the Federal Election Commission? Where are all the things that says you can't do this? You can't take somebody's name off the ballot just because you don't want them on. Well, the there's got to be multiple thing. violations of laws <laughs> to even bring these cases. The one thing I was going to mention Mm-hmm. At, when you brought it up earlier and, and Pianchi brought it up, up is, that they, is that all these motions are being filed by lawyers. I mean, you know, anything you say, well, why don't they argue this? Why don't you argue that? They are. It's just that, okay. the, that the, the left-wing um, <clears throat> judges either deny the motions or they don't even recognize them. They, I mean, there are a lot of motions that are being filed that um, uh, that repeat, that never get ruled on. They just get deep six. And so, so people should understand that, that these arguments are being made. It's just that they're, that so then they're they need not to go being public. Made. They need to go public with this. The Congress needs to be making these same arguments. The, you know, these judges need to be removed. I mean, there's no action on the, on the part of the gelding old party, the GOP, the Republicans, to actually remove these judges. But what they're doing is criminal. It's everybody's criminal, and yet they let them go then, too. I, I mean, they've emboldened the left. Because during the election fraud trials, they didn't allow any evidence of election fraud. They looking at it. What well, should be good right. for ju- judicial, you know, removing the judge? If the judge denies evidence that directly applies to a case, that's grounds for for you lose your job, or be arrested for for judicial misconduct or something. I don't know all the terms. That's why I have you here. But you can't do that. You can't deny the direct evidence for what the, what the charge is all about. And yet they're doing that. They did with the election yeah. cases, and they're doing it here. This is what I'm trying to get across and why it's so, so, it's so hard, because these changes are across the board. Remember when Obama mm-hmm. said he was going to fundamentally transform America? Oh, we talked about that, too. Yeah, because 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 this, the thing is, is that the, the the change in the rules is sweeping and shocking. So right. you, you say you can't you can't ignore the 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 law, but the government will go in in these January sixth cases, and mm-hmm. of course they make it sound good, but I'm not exaggerating. It's literally um, that um, whatever they want to talk about is is relevant but nothing is relevant if it might show that the defendant is, is innocent yeah there, you know, I'm getting some background noise we're, we're getting some breakups here but yeah this is really critical for, for folks so let's do it again so yeah let's talk about this relevance this is amazing so so if it, it the thing is is they'll 
they'll talk, they'll want to put on videos that that do not show the defendants and are nowhere near. And they, they say, well, that's the context. We want to show the context of, of, of what happened. But if you try to show, you know, some video that proves that the defendant is innocent, oh, no, you can't do that. That's not relevant. Well, let's talk about videos now that you brought it up. All the January 6th tapes have been released. Are, are the judges, well, I mean, are their the lawyers the, going to start using them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have, they're in the process of being released. Okay. Um, the order has been the order has been given, and they're 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 uploading them day by day, and it's going to take a very long time to go through them. But they're already revealing. Like for example, one of the videos shows the U.S. Capitol Police brings in a uh, a man in handcuffs. Mm-hmm. He bring and they they take them out of the public view into the interior, where it's being you know being being filmed. Then they take the handcuffs off him. And fist bumped him. <laughs> fist bumped him. <laughs> well, we did. We did for the first hour, Jonathan. That's hysterical. We did first. There's, there's a picture. J.D. Rucker uh, in his America First report has a picture of a of an officer with a with a MAGA cap on, flashing a federal badge. Hey yeah, guys, I'm, I'm here. That. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> what's starting to come. That's what's starting to come out. Okay. Is that? But this is why they've been fighting it all this time. And it of course and the two years of of delay, you know, has caused a lot of harm. But but right. the, these videos are gonna are gonna completely change the public perception. But the question is, is it, is it too late? No. And you know, no, so, so they anyway, need restitution. They, these people still need restitution for everything that's happened right. from the people that did it to them. In other words, the whole deep state. Right. Does someone the, else have a comment? The, the under, all, right. all right, go ahead, Jonathan. No, the undercover, the undercover cop. I mean, so so they arrested this undercover cop. And um, and then took him out of public view and then let him go, let, you know, uncuffed him because it was it, it's proof that there were undercover, you know, pr- uh, provocateurs in there. And then there's another video. Let me just say real quick. It just came out. I love this stuff. That shows that um, this, this bicycle cop is riding around D.C. There are these people dressed as demonstrators, you know, like blue jeans and and. Uh, you know, sweatshirt, sweatpants, I mean, what do you call it? You know, I forget what it is, like, um, you know, casual tops. Mm-hmm. And he he pulls them over and he says, you know, he says, can I talk to you a minute? It's like any of you guys armed? He says, yes, we're all armed. We're police officers. So they're walking <laughs> around looking, looking like demonstrators. Right. And this is on the body cam and it, show, and it shows, and, and, and it shows them saying, yes, we're all police officers. They're dressed. Uh, I mean, most of most of Trump demonstrators were dressed better, and 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 then and he says, "Can you show me some ID?" He says, "Yeah, here's here's our ID, police ID." And that's all on camera. So I mean, we oh, have people are idiots. This is so funny. I want all this on our special investigations page. Anything you get like this, Jonathan, put on a special invest- investigations page. I want a collection of all these things. Well, this it, is great. It, it's coming out, and there's things coming out that are even more shocking, like like. Uh, um, officers who committed perjury on the witness stand. Uh-huh. Um, it, um, people are working on a lot of things that they're not, um, you know, that, that that aren't public yet. But but the thing is, is like I say, they've 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 done the damage for two two and a half years. So I don't know. 
Well, like I say, my, my thing is uh, for, for the J6 folks, they ought to you know, seize all the Biden assets and give that to them. But uh, there's a whole lot of folks that need to go through civil asset forfeiture as well as criminal prosecution. Uh, We've got about four minutes left. Let's get uh, John Owens and said anything and then Pianchi. I'll see if you have any uh, comments. John, you want to back on this? Do you have a question for Jonathan? Yeah, no kind of on that note. Yeah, sure. uh, on the note we just talked about, has, has Jonathan or anybody he knows of started initiating a class action lawsuit against all of these people, especially the Capitol Police, with what they did, not undercover, but so much what they did in uniform as well? Good question. There are, there are some. The evidence is still premature, perhaps. There need to be more, like the, the abuse of tear gas against the manufacturer's specifications should be a huge... Oh, uh, well, is it CS gas? Is this like Waco gas? What, what kind of gas was it? I, I don't know, but they're not supposed to use them in, indoors, and they're not right. supposed to use them in such intensity. I mean, there's one thing that shows this giant cloud when they open a door. Um, and one of the things about about overuse of the gas is it can make people <clears> – <throat> it can create, you know, what um, Firefly – Calls a an, ag- an aggressor response. So Who's the people both. It's a, it's a move. It's a t- science fi series. Oh, okay. All right. The, oh, the idea that code name for deep throat that, or something. Okay. No, no. The, 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 no. Sorry, I wish it were. But 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 so the <laughs> idea that that it can cause uh, both police and the demonstrators to to go kind of crazy, which I think which I think happened. Well, the other, John. The, John, law enforcement, what, what, what kind of gas are we talking about here? Do you know what this is? I'm guessing it was like a CS gas that were thrown into the crowd. But they were also, there's video footage of them throwing flashbangs into the crowd randomly, right? which are just as dangerous. And then you talk about that disorientation where they can't orient themselves to even comply with an order like that. Police went in there heavy-handed. So there's a ton of footage where the actual Capitol Police in uniform did these things to instigate these problems. But yeah, the tear gas. Oh, is a good example. it's coming out. Um, Stop hate has a has a video, a, a movie they're putting together, and we've known this. A lot of this stuff is under the protective order. This is not just new. This is well documented, but nobody's talking about it. Um, is that is that it's clearly that this is a case of police brutality, and the police initiated it. And I think a lot of that was because a few people um, over the radio channel misled most of the police you know they they you know the, the the radio chatter shows a few key people including those who were transferred from michigan from the fed direction um to you know and they're they're t- they're talking on the uh, over the radio like this is the end of the world mm-hmm. and so i mean like you know shoot you know people are you know people are being shot i mean it, it, it's clear that if you track the timeline um Someone on the radio is telegraphing things that have happened before they happen. They, they, right. They're creating wow. the hysteria. No question yeah. about now, it. Now, could you do that under a RICO lawsuit? Yeah, but the problem is, is, you see, the problem is that we need a lot more lawyers and a lot more money because, you know, if, if, if your client is, is fighting like crazy just to stay out of jail, you know, it's not the priority. Um, so, so there's just not enough lawyers to go around. 
Well, wait a minute. Um, where's where's the heritage? Where are the conservatives? Where's the the Hoover oh, Foundation? Where are all the where are the the oh, rich John. companies like Chick Fil A and uh, and Black Rifle Coffee? I mean, where the, well, I don't know how big they are, but I mean, where, where are the big uh, conservative companies out there? What's going on? Where there's money Nothing. out there? How about the donors? The whole donor class, the multi-billion-dollar nope. Republican donor class. Where's their money? Well, the thing is, the thing is, is those people, those people are more socially, you know, tied in, and they are. You know, they believed all the negative narrative, but they've got they they you know they they wouldn't they wouldn't help with a ten foot pole. Um, they they've been well. That was a, a lot of a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, obviously, that's why I asked it. <laughs> you know, yeah, we go ahead. Right. I mean, well, but but don't worry. The Heritage Foundation is is busy. Um, you know, consuming wine and cheese. The you know right. the the brie. I, I used Having to work in the building. <laughs> what? We talk about their luncheons. We, I could run Action Radio on what, what the Heritage we, Foundation spends on their luncheons. Absolutely. You know, uh, so, go ahead. Something, something is serious. Removing a person off a ballot should be should be heard by more than a three-judge panel. It should have a jury. But uh, what I'm witnessing, this is well-orchestrated. And pay for. I'm thinking that Ukraine money is coming back around to pay for a lot of this through the back door myself, and it's orchestrated step by step. Even before, like you may mention, things have even happened. They're making reference to it. There, there is a stupendous amount of money. But, but I mean, I, I don't know. I would love to know where it's coming from. I think you're probably right. That's just one source, but I can just say that the amount of money. That's, that's being being used to to change this country in a you know in a leftist direction is just shocking. I, I mean, because because I know what we don't have, um, and and it's just I mean they're they're just rolling in dough doing all these things against Trump and conservatives and things like that. Let's talk about that. I got Dorothy here. I want to get to her next week. It'd be a great thing if you want to. Uh, write this down as a possible topic, that the amount of money, that the, the willingness of so-called conservatives to adopt the, the, the leftist, the whole woke, I mean, we, we, the corporations are in on it. It's fascism. It's, 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 it's uh, you know, conservative, co-opted fascism. And yet there they are. And they think this is the way to go. And it goes against everything that our founding stands for. It goes against everything this country stands for. And yet there they are. And the money is there. Why, why isn't the money with these, with, with you and the other lawyers and the real people who are paying this? Why isn't the money Third Action Radio for, for, that, for that matter? You know, and, and our citizen legislation. We've got the answers, but we can't get them out there without money. Anyway, Jonathan, let me get you a last thought uh, and then anything you want to preview. And then uh, we'll move on and then we'll uh, completely change our subject to the Sex and Sensuality Report with uh, Dorothy Diana. Jonathan? Well, just that this obviously, this is obviously going to keep going. I mean, the left is going to try this in every single state because, like I say, even if they lose, they get publicity trying to tar um, all MAGA people. And um, so, you know, this is this is going to be a continued thing. And frankly, if, if Trump ever listens to this show, fire your lawyers, except Alina Haba. Um, <laughs> and uh, because, because this is going to get – I mean, like I say, he's been found – there, there is no way he could be found guilty of engaging in an insurrection. That's just completely ridiculous. Well, there was no insurrection. But I, I mean, that would be my primary defense. There was no insurrection. We should take that up next week. I actually had the definition of it uh, from the Encyclopedia Britannica. Uh, we can uh, we can pick that up as well. But yeah, this is crazy. All right. 
when we okay. get on Rumble, I think we'll have a better chance of getting uh, Trump on. So that's that's why I'm switching to visual. Thank you, Jonathan. All right, great. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye now. Sex. Everybody talks about it. Some of you are even doing it. But are you really talking to the person you are doing it with? It all comes down to communication. That's where Dorothy Diana comes in. Dorothy is a sexual health nurse educator. She has studied hypnotherapy, Reiki, and many other disciplines. And what is sex without sensuality? Something has to light your afterburner. Join us now for a sometimes very frank and occasionally quite descriptive conversation of sex and sensuality with Dorothy Diana. All right. So you're ready to rumble? Ready to go visual? Ready to to extend beyond our our auditory uh, capability here? Uh, our oral sensation, that is A-U-R-A-L, for those that don't understand my humor, uh, and go visual. What do you think? I think it's exciting, and it reminds me of a funny story. Mm, um, I was invited. Yeah, I was invited to be on a radio show with a local natural health, women's health provider in our area mm-hmm. who has a wonderful mm-hmm. clinic here. And I was so excited, and we have mutual friends, and we had our topic. We were going to talk about menopause changes and natural health and um, somatic movement, which is what I teach, and energetics of the energetics of the symptoms of menopause, which is huge. And so I meet her at the station, and it turns out when I got there, it's not it's not just radio. We're on we're on camera. They have Ooh. a live video feed the radio station is filming it and it's going to oh, be sure. on post it to my page or it'd be great i want to see this, this yeah i can go back and look at it but but it was interesting intuitively I, I i rely a lot on intuition my intuition is very reliable and i teach my women that also you know we've mm-hmm. discussed that when we're young a lot of a lot of us as children are talked out of our intuition in many ways and it's extremely powerful and if you can encourage children to use it, you're giving them a tool for life. But you can relearn it as an adult. So my intuition, right before I left, actually said, you know what? I want to look cute today. I'm not going to just wear my yoga clothes or my jeans. And I put on a really sharp white dress and did my hair. You know, I had like an extra 20 minutes, I guess. And so when I showed up, I was, when she told me we're, we're being filmed, I was ready to go. But Really, you know, it's important. It's a big difference between being video and audio. And um, I'm excited that we're moving in that direction, you know, but it's, it requires, obviously, more preparation. I don't want, and this is one of my fears, this is the only thing that, uh, well, the, the, the thing is I want to make sure that five years worth of uh, blog talk radio shows are preserved. Uh, so I got to talk to them about that. But the other thing is I don't want to change. I don't want to be different uh, on camera than I am. I don't want to ask mm-hmm. anything less. I don't want to hold back at all. I don't want to, I mean, but, and, and people are going to see all my goofy facial expressions and all the things I do here. You know, sometimes I just get up and walk around. I don't even tell you, <laughs> you know, I'm like standing up, you know, I'm, I'll mute the, the mic and get up and stretch. And, you know, and I, mm-hmm. that'd actually be funny on camera, but that's not really the concern. The concern is, will I change and will you change? Will we be able to be as frank so, and direct as we are when we're I audio? Think that, as, yeah. What do you think? I think we got to expect that. I think we'll, ex- I think expecting that, and acknowledging okay. it openly is a beautiful thing. And okay. it's interesting because 
one thing I did notice being on camera versus I've been, you know, I, I've been auditorily listened to for a long time. And I, when I'm on Zoom and when I'm teaching on video in person, obviously I can craft my appearance. And But what I got to watch was my subconscious gestures and my subconscious body language. And it was really informative. And so mm. all of us, you and me and the other um, guests you have, the other regular, um, the regular informants on your show are, I, I believe we're all understanding that we're, it's a lifelong healing journey. So we're lifelong learners. We're lifelong. Most of people like you and, and me and, and others in this, in the healing and, and caring, caring for others by sharing information, we're lifelong learners. So I think it's going to open if we're, I think it's going to open the door for us to be even more aware Okay. Of, of of things we have, like when you see yourself on video, you, yeah, yeah, and also huh. to be super authentic. And I don't think it has to be perfect. And you know, oh, this has never so been a criteria. A dr- I uh, people ask me, do you edit? No. What about your mistakes? So yeah. what about my mistakes? It's some of the best parts of the show. I I yeah, want to be as authentic and genuine as possible all the time. I don't. Edit. I don't want mistakes edited. I don't, you know, I'm not going to take gaps out. If something goes wrong, we're going to talk about it. If I, you know, we, I make corrections, you know, usually at least two or three times a week. I'll say, you know what? I really screwed up when I said that that was wrong. Let me, let me fix that. We do that all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that. But I, but, I think but, it's but lovely I never thought, and I think it gives. Yeah, go ahead. It gives other people permission too when you do that, right? Mm. Permission to I be think imperfect. So. Well, that and disagreeing, too. It's like people, everybody's free to disagree with me. Uh, we do it in a way that's not disagreeable. I mean, you disagree with me. It's great. I don't care. I encourage it. You know, but that's part of the show, too. You know, I'm not, I'm not mm-hmm. the host. I'm not the dictator here. You know, I'm just kind of, I'm here to learn, too. So uh, this is the greatest learning experience I've ever had because I'm constantly getting input from brilliant people like you. And it's wonderful. <laughs> I love it. So this, this is like school. This is like the, the teaching uh, and I can share what I've learned about creating citizen legislation, as I seem to be the only one really doing it on the planet right now. Um, and I'm kind of happy with that. Well, not that's, not, that's probably arrogant. I shouldn't say that. But in the way that we're doing it, combining with a radio show, this is a, a unique place um, to be uh, doing what we're doing. So, that, that, that's, so there's a correction right there. So, you know, so yeah, so I, that's exactly how I do it. Um, but I, I never thought about the, the, the nonverbal side. This is somewhere you could be really helpful, is maybe watch some of the reporters, and, and, or especially me, and say, hey, Greg. Off the air, maybe, you know, did you know you did this? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Let's find out. But can you, do you, like, if someone lies, I want to get to your topic in a second, but if someone, like, lies openly, I really have to listen. I have to listen to their voice. I, I don't get the, the body language of somebody totally lying to me, whereas mm. I think you know, I would, or being completely sincere. I'll know when people are, are well, at least I hope I'll know. Uh, when folks are, are you know, because like I say, I can hear that too. I think it's going to be, it's it, like anything else, you know, a step forward, a step backward. It's going to be, we'll lose the concentration effect because people might be worried more about, you know, do I have the same shirt on three days in a row, which I might very well do. I just, you know, I'm a guy. Uh, as opposed to, that's a really great topic. But, you know, his shirt's the third day in a row. You know, I mean, that's what I'm trying to avoid. Well, and I'm going to just say in – Speaking to real life, if you hear background noises, my HVAC's out. So the guy's showing up. My boys are home. We're going to handle it. There's a lot happening in my house this morning. So <laughs> keeping it so real, far. if you hear, no, if you we hear had background some noises, earlier. that's what's no, happening. That's okay. Yep. No, that's fine. It's, it's Bring gonna, my camera. It's going to be part <laughs> See, of our show visual. 
<laughs> or visually yeah. to bring the HVAC guy on. You know? <laughs> My HVAC hey, guy yeah, is yeah, amazing. Yeah. He shows up. He's reliable. He mm-hmm. does what he says he's going to do. He does it in an excellent way. And um, I don't know. He just, when you find me, I, I really seem to attract skilled providers. Um, I'm really lucky that way. People complain about their contractors, complain about I have awesome service providers, well, and you're a you know, I person. believe in, I believe you, I believe in magnetic, you know, energy attraction, and absolutely, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I tell you, the, the worst is so. my father, who always got in the longest line, always got the worst service, but he expected it. I've always had, you know, for the most part, good yeah, service. Yeah, that's so true. The, the lines work pretty well. Um, I get fabulous people. If you ever go through a checker line with me, I'm usually talking to the customers behind me while we're waiting. You know, we have like a little party right there. I mean, I, I just go through life so differently than, than uh, my experience growing up. It's, it's really fascinating. It's like, it's like polar opposites. I see a, a line as, as a chance to talk to people, not as a problem. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all how you look at life. Anyway, and that's Yeah, it, it is. And then you yeah. draw those experiences. And I know people like this also who um, expect to be cheated, expect to be disrespected, expect that everyone's an a-hole. And so that's what they see. They literally go through the life seeing, and people mm-hmm. respond to that energetically. So, yeah. I mean, it happens lightning fast, lightning fast, that when another spirit senses that you need, you need to tell a story a certain way, you need to tell your life story. I need to tell my life story that, you know, people are all out to get me and out to themselves and can't be trusted. I will, I will show you those parts of myself that true for you. Isn't that interesting? Like, I will respond to you in that way without even thinking about it um, mm-hmm. in subtle ways just to help you with your story because we're all connected and we're here to help each other on a spiritual mm-hmm. level. So I will do that for you. I will actually give you that experience to help you heal. And then you might say to me, I knew you, I knew, I knew you were this or that. Okay, you got to be right. You know, how grateful can we be that, that, you, that the universe said yes to you? You know, isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. And then the one thing I, I, I always, when you talk about healing all the time, that we're all wounded and damaged and need healing, I see, I don't see that. And this is something where we do have a, have a, have a different way of looking at things. Um, and to me, that seems too negative. It's like, because if mm. you're always healing, you'll never be healed. And it's like, I am okay for who I am right now at this particular time. Can I be better? Sure. Next week. Let's see what happens. You know, uh, are there mm-hmm, things I can work mm-hmm. on? Absolutely. But I never look at it in terms of healing because that means I'm always wounded. And I don't think of myself as wounded. I think of myself as having mm-hmm. some incredible experiences, both good and bad. Uh, and I'm, I'm talking polar extremes. I mean, you know, both ends of the spectrum. Exaltations and absolute oppressions and traumas and catastrophes. Seen them all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Uh, and, well, and I so, talk but, about uh, but, I, but I'm not wounded. I'm just, that's just mm-hmm. my story. So we can we can reframe it and say, on the, on the path to high, highest self-ascension, on the path to your highest self. Because unless we're a guru or Yeshua, Jesus, or someone who came to this 3D plane, mm-hmm. pretty much close to perfect, as close to God-like as possible, we're in a state of growth, right? We're, we're, so we can, call it, we can call it spiritual growth. We don't, I guess we don't have to call it healing. And we can also view no, it. No, no, you should call like it healing because that's what you do call it. I don't want to change you. I don't change your no, no, reference. I, I, but I'm just pointing out that we have a different. Uh, yeah. yeah, we have a different way of, of describing these things. That's that's what I find so. Well, fascinating. language is really important, and in order to connect, I, I have zero problem reframing my language because no, language just, language is so yeah. limiting, though. 
It's so yeah. limiting. So if I don't know how to say the same thing in three different, five different, six different ways to people, mm-hmm. I cannot yeah. connect. So for me, part of quote healing or part of helping people and helping myself on, on the path to highest, highest consciousness, the highest form of myself I can bring to this earth is, mm-hmm. is that is a skill that I think is really beautiful. And that's how healers are effective. They're able to shift the language because the words don't matter as much as the intention behind it, right? So if you're working okay. on something, we don't have to call it a wound or a trauma. We can say, oh, in this 3D existence right now, the body and the mind you're in, you haven't yet gotten to have this experience that grows you in this area even more right. um, or, or this realization. And it's just another way to say healing, right? Oh, it is. But like I say, I, I don't want to change how to express yourself. And I, I want to understand why your reference is healing and mine is, is not. It's, it's just a different way of, uh, of approaching mm-hmm. uh, the situation. And so that's, this is why I find it so fascinating you know, when we do talk, because you and I speak almost a different language at times. And it's really interesting to sort of see why. That's, so mm-hmm. it's a curiosity. It's not a correction. I want to make that really clear so folks understand why I'm, I, I'm questioning this as I do. It's, it's out of, uh, you know, just, just pure interest and in, because uh, you've got a whole lot of knowledge to share. And I want to know how and why and where it comes from. Because, you know me, I, what, I, I'm going to ask the questions you're probably not going to get. Well, let me just get back to your interview. What, uh, what kind of questions did you get? What was it about? Or do you want to get on to your question? Take away from that. I mean, this was a long, this was a while back, a few months ago, but it was, it was oh, okay. about menopause and, and, right. you know, you and I have covered this topic a little bit, like natural supplements, not just, mm-hmm. well, not just why menopause happens earlier in some women, the physical symptoms, but also uh, how you really don't have to have any of those symptoms at all. And if That's you a big do, pharma. <laughs> and if you do, how do you reframe reframe the experience you're having into a positive one. So thinking about the cycles of life and the waves and birth and the pain of birth and how it births something beautiful. And then looking at the beauty of the body shifting, because we know that when women shift through menopause, other things happen too. Testosterone levels, hormone levels balance out and start to shift. And she becomes more able to access parts of herself that she wasn't before and, and there's some wisdom that occurs and some kind of grounded, linear thinking. I, I, there's just all kinds of beautiful things that happen. So not only talking about, well, okay, you have physical symptoms. How, how do you alleviate those non-pharmacologically, which was my uh, co-host specialty, but also mm-hmm. how do you reframe the entire experience, uh, which you absolutely can, to make it a pleasurable one? Yep. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. And I was curious also about the, the, the questions that you were asked, you know, when you do other interviews, mm-hmm. uh, are they, are they, uh, are they almost like standard questions out there? Cause I don't listen to a lot of other people interviewing other people cause I'm mm-hmm. so busy preparing my own. But I, but I know from, from what folks have said that, you know, they get, I, I, I can't <clears> tell you how many times I've heard, no one's ever asked me that before. I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. that's what I want to do. So I'm, I'm just curious mm-hmm, for my own mm-hmm. self. Yeah. Well, I mean, she, she has her own focus, which is, um, holistic uh, women's health. So she definitely geared this limited time interview to get the maximum amount of information for her listeners in, in that very specific focus we had. So she, yeah. she was, she already had, she, you know, she knew where she wanted to go with it. And then, you know, we also expanded towards the end um, what I teach, which is women becoming their absolute best self using somatic practices and neuro retraining retraining the messages in the brain 
and just rewiring, rewiring through um, movement and and conscious thought, right? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, let's, cool. get, let's get to your, let's get to your stuff, and then we'll spend about five minutes talking about sunshine and, and seed oil <laughs> near the end because I had a great I mean, this is that. my stuff. We're already oh, okay. talking about my stuff, okay. and, and right, I, came, I, don't wanna, I came to the I don't table. Wanna... Well, no, absolutely. I mean, the topic is sexuality and sensuality, and 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 so the, you have this little ball of topic in the middle that just literally is a light that expands as far as you want to take it because everything comes back to that. But today, in particular, on my mind was. Um, really how the body how the body behaves and responds in, in terms of our thoughts, in terms of our vibrational frequency and mm. like anything that's pain or pleasure or sensation in the body, how we can use that as information to get to know ourselves better and we can say heal or we can say expand into our best possible selves. So every thought that comes into our head, and again, you know, I, I work with women and, and reframing, reframing the thoughts, reframing our relationship with our body to be the, our from best what to what? possible. What, what, what from, do, what, where do you emphasize? Well, physics, what, what needs reframing? I'm just kind of curious. Where, where, where are people, where are women, where, where, do, where do you want to uh, take them so they can reframe it? What are some of the big ones? Um, the messages, my body is something to be ashamed of. My body isn't good enough the way it is. My body doesn't deserve pleasure. My body has this problem, this problem, this problem. Um, my body cannot heal itself, uh, is dependent on outside sources. And, and depending on those outside sources, I either feel good or feel awful. I'm either sick or healthy, and I'm not in control of it. I mean, so many messages. No, that's so, fascinating because women are judged on their appearance, I think, much more than guys are. You know, if you can, you're an accomplished dude and you invented the next new supercomputer technology, you can look like, you know, the, I'm not going to a bunch of adjectives come to mind, but you can look pretty bad. It's okay. However, if you're a woman CEO of a company and, and you look like, you know, Brunhilde or something like you know, uh, it, it's a change in perception. It really is. Attractive women get further, whereas guys we can well, be we can be guys. That's interesting. So in, interestingly, what's been found, and I'll just touch on this briefly, uh-huh. is the more you feel amazing about yourself, that you have truly positive thoughts about your own self worth, and you're, I'm just going to say this: you have a love energy, uh, uh-huh. which feels divine consciousness. Love energy feels like it's tingling, like if anyone can close their eyes and begin to consciously feel love in their heart for themselves, for others, have thoughts of gratitude. And if you do this for 30 seconds, you're going to begin to feel a noticeable tingling in your hands, a different feeling in your chest and stomach. That is, that's divine consciousness. That's God, whatever word you want to call that. Hmm. That's our high, our highest self connection to the universal energy of love. When you're in touch with this on the regular your physicality begins to change. It literally, it, it's anti-aging. It's a, it's a posture. It's your cortisol no longer um, causing all the heaviness to go around your midline and clog up your visceral organs and um, your system. What's cortisol? So ma- this might help me. So many, What's cortisol? Well, the stress sorry. hormones. Any, any okay. defense, fear, flight, freeze. Fear, flight, freeze. So what happens when 
the brain, and this is due to trauma, and, and not everyone has this idea of trauma that everything that causes us to be scared, fearful, close off, shut down, close our hearts, protect ourselves, comes from a message we got as a young child, usually. I mean, people say, oh, I had a great childhood. It happened without, no. I mean, there's no, you know, you can keep, you can keep going back and you will find that messages got integrated into the body at a young age. Many. You cannot avoid them on this earth. I mean, maybe an indigenous tribe somewhere, you know, untouched by modern culture, but we all have it. And, um, and so anytime your body is out, your body and your heart is out of, um, out of this feeling of openness, trust, surrender, joy, gratitude, we are, anytime it's out of that place, we're coming from a fear of an old message that's a lie, an old trauma, an old um, experience that gave us the belief other than we are perfect the way we are. When, and, and so this work is healing and it's trauma, trauma release, it's healing, it's um, spiritual growth. When that is at the forefront and that is the focus, the body begins to anti-age and outward beauty literally starts to take over um, the body. So when you talk about this, you know, Brunhilde uh, person in, in a business in a corporate setting, my guess is if we looked, although on the outward, this person has all the check marks of success in the outside world, in the 3D world, um, uh, there's a lot of work that could be done internally, um, spiritually, and, and, and healing that would begin to morph, morph that person into someone we all see as beautiful. That sounds crazy. And I don't mean beautiful no, like actually plastic doesn't. surgery, no, no. fake eyelashes, may, hair extensions. I mean yeah. the person when you walk and you in the, go in the coffee shop, you're drawn to them. There's a beauty that comes from the inside that you, they become beautiful. They just become beautiful. And, and they'll magnetize people on that same frequency. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's very, it's very magical and it's very real. And we're not taught this, right? We're not, not really taught this. Well, we should because it, I think you're absolutely right. I don't tell you why because I, I've known people that were that didn't have the uh, I guess the, the the standard you know glamour criteria: the right hair, the right eyes, the right makeup, the right body, the right fill in the blank. Right? They were beautiful, mm-hmm. and these, these are intensely mm-hmm. emotional, fascinating people that have been you know lifelong friends of mine. Um, and then you have other folks that that do meet the criteria. And they're, you know, I think high maintenance is the nicest thing I can say, you know, uh, but, yeah. uh, you know, and you're talking about people that are glamorous and, and model quality, supermodel quality, and they're greedy and they're disgusting and they're, they're, they're full of all kinds of horrible things. They're manipulative and, uh, you know, uh, uh, superior attitudes and the whole bit. I mean, all the stereotypes you can think of. So it really is that beauty, you know, true beauty, you know, the, the, it really has to be internal. And it is, but I don't think people, they, they say that, oh, yeah, beauty's like, you know, it's not just skin deep, you know, but uh, for many people it is, <laughs> you know, and many people so carry that, that with also, them. For, and I'm, I'm going to argue that's a trauma response also. The, inability, oh. the, the um, focus okay. on external beauty as, as the, okay, so if I date this person who, right. if you take a picture, she looks perfect in culture standards. Now that means I'm worthy. Now that means I'm good enough. Now that means oh. I'm enough of a man. Now my father will approve of me. Now my mother will stop browbeating me and she'll give me some emotional love. 
this is not conscious thinking. This is all subconscious. And so you have these masculine archetypes. We've talked about toxic, toxic masculine archetypes. Obviously, there's lots of toxic feminine well-versed in that, but since we're talking we're about... We're able to be toxic. Uh, we're equal opportunity yeah, toxic. So, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, not to, you know, but if we're talking about some of the toxic masculine, the shadow masculine that's happening in our world, um, uh-huh. this sort of taker, um, the image of, you know, all the fast cars and all the women all at once and just use them and, you know, stick them in the backseat. I mean, it's all through our song lyrics, Right that I'm more of a man if I have many women, flashy cars, lots of money, who cares how I get it. I'm at the strip club, you know, apple bottom jeans, throwing the cash stacks at her as she gets low and, and just using subjectifying. So this is such a predominant part of our culture. That is absolutely trauma. That is a man who as a child did not have attached parents, um, masculine, female energy, giving him what he needed, period. And so he has learned to identify with the fake masculine, the fake false masculine that, that takes, uses these women as objects, um, and, and, and it's this empty, endless hole. You'll never fill up that hole. That hole will never be filled. Yeah, empty and, black um, holes of, of eternal selfishness, mm-hmm. what I call narcissists, yeah. And, and women will look. There's never women, enough. A lot of women will look and say, oh, that's an alpha. Oh, that's a leader. Oh, that's a, and these damaged women who usually have that perfectionism, uh, self-image where I have to be perfect, I have to look you know, everything is done and, and performative all the time will be mm-hmm. sometimes be drawn to that. And again, yeah. it's, a, it's called, we call it a trauma bond. It's literally a trauma bond. It's um, I'm going to try to get my needs, my whole filled, <laughs> no pun intended. And, <laughs> and you're going to get yours constantly and it will never go away. And it, so. <laughs> it, it's, no, it's, it's a great language. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And then I get off on a tangent. But, oh, I wanted to mention this. Sorry. Okay. Uh, That's okay. I, so what? So just have you heard of Ice Spice? Have I heard of which now? Ice Spice, new, Ice very Spice. hot, young singer. She was on Saturday Night Live recently with. Uh, I've heard of Ike Andy, but that's that's more a criteria. Okay. You, mean, so, so look you, you look so good, your other person looks good with you. I guess that's how the, the expression. What's I spice? Okay, so she's a, your listeners will know who she is. So she's an adorable, um, curvy uh, mm-hmm. singer, and her messaging is, you know, abjectly sexual. And I, I wouldn't say I love the messaging, but well, that's like most the teens, that's like most singers out the there. The teens lover. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. The teens lover. She she, she's larger? actually very cute. Okay. She's not thin. She's not thin, um, but she's but she's she's curvy. She's the modern sexy body, the modern, the more oh, okay. modern. What, what I'll have to take portrayed. a look. I'll let you know. So a little more curvy. Let's look at her right now. Um, look at her right now. Lots yeah, of, I'm curious. She has lots lots of booty, and she's always turning her back to the cam- turning her back to the uh, you know turning her booty to the camera, shaking it. She's very very proud of her um, hips and her bottom. Clearly, that's kind of one of her draws. And uh-huh. it's funny, my 13-year-old son thinks she's amazing and um, loves her. And, um, and so I'm curious. So, so when, they, when the kids have, my kids have something that they're into, I'm very curious. I want to, okay, what's our culture of here? You're but here's mom. what I noticed about her. This is what I noticed. Her posture is amazing. Her posture is amazing. Oh. Her shoulders are back. They're down and relaxed. She has a slight, she's actually very much in her feminine energy, yet I can tell she's performing her, she has performative masculine energy. I mean, this is what I get. This is what it's like to hang out with me. So I'm watching her on SNL, and this is, this is my processing <laughs> on her. Um, right. 
she actually is, I think, authentically very confident in her feminine energy, but, um, you know, to please the masses, her, her, her lyrics and her um, messaging is, is a little aggressive and, and masculine in its energy. However, she truly loves her body. This is a girl this body is not um, in the magazines, the traditional models in the U.S. It's, it's not what probably gets attention, the most attention, but she loves it. And because of that, she's super sexy and very magnetic. And um, her shoulders, I couldn't help but notice her shoulders because in this country we have a epidemic of women with hunched shoulders, with protected hearts. Really? Protecting, they used to wear shoulder pads um, over, 20 years ago. Hunched, hunched shoulders. So um, actually, yeah, women walking around just the shoulders forward and, and the chest caves a little bit. I mean, start noticing, you'll see this everywhere. And this, this is where trauma sits in the body when the weight of the world, the burden is too heavy on a woman. And, and this is a, a huge, trauma, tr- uh, huge problem in our culture also. Women are walking through thinking they have to be super women, boss bitches. They have way too much on their shoulders. They are not leaning into masculine support. We've been told not to. And they're literally crumbling under it, thinking that this is the way it's supposed to be. It's the um, epidemic of overburden. And the shoulders curve. Now, this is more true, I've found, I'm just going to say it, in white women than it is in darker-skinned women in our country especially. And that has to do with um, well, a little uh, yeah. There's an oppression of white people going on, of the, the whole DEI thing, that uh, there's two kinds of people in this world. There are oppressors and there are victims. And the oppressors are all white, usually male, so women get a pass a little bit, but not much. Um, and that's, that's, the, that's the stereotype. So people are being burdened by things that they have to start re- – white people have to start rejecting the stereotype immediately. Uh, I do all the time on the show. And so you got to stand up for so that. Now, you, Ice Spice. If, i got a picture you, here. Mm-hmm. Oh, so go ahead. Yeah. What, so is if it you ice, go through and just start, start people – Start, start people watching from, um, that's a good question. It'll be very easy to find her, but I don't, I don't. I've already got a picture. I just want to make sure I got the right person. So I have ice, I mean, spice, I-C-E, yeah, cute S-P-I-C-E. little, cute little dark skin, cute little dark skinned. Uh, she's probably black, but she's light skinned well, and, I'm, I'm um, at, she's probably in her early twenties. Her name yeah, is she's got Clinton, curly hair. Gaston, really, Isis Gaston. Really curly hair. Yeah. Curly, short hair. Yep, that's her. And early 20s. So she's an interesting person just to watch for body language, is my opinion. And um, but so so traditionally, this was women that had these curved shoulders. And now you're seeing more and more teen boys with this. And um, and that's due to cultural messaging, what you're talking about, that we are more and more giving the burden of everyone's happiness, everyone's misery, all the responsibilities to men and teen boys and also shaming them and castrating them. So that's what you'll see. So women have endured this for a lot longer. Well, literally. And that's why women have endured this for a lot longer. Men, it's starting to happen more and more to men. You'll see more and more of these hunched shoulders burdened by life's problems. So that's what it is. Fear, anxiety. So the body holds the messages. The body holds the messages. And it's really interesting. But she she is one you can watch and you're like, huh, wow, she truly loves her body. (laughs) Go ahead. Well, no, I'm just running down space. I want to go watch videos after the show. Um, mm-hmm. Is it the, the, the burden of, because uh, we're always burdened. I mean, there's always a burden out there. I mean, there's always, you know, mm-hmm. life is, is a struggle. There's, but it just depends how you look at it and how you go through it. I mean, your attitude is everything. So is it the burden itself? Because we all have a, a burden being, being human and 
you know, having things to do and a purpose and all that? Mm-hmm. Or is it the burden mm-hmm. of not being able to change? In other words, if you're burdened with toxic masculinity, you can't change being a man. You know, uh, well, not you can in appearance, but uh, but in terms of genetically, you're a dude, okay. Uh, and so, is there a burden that I'm? It's like original sin. I can't get out of this. There's no way out. I'm a dude. You know, I'll speak about myself. All right, so so me, white guy, mid sixties, right? I can't change that. I don't want to change that. So whatever burden someone wants to put on me, well, you're a white male oppressor. I said, really? Well, white guys brought freedom to the world. Now what are you going to do? You know, I mean, that's my response. Okay. So I don't accept mm-hmm. that burden. So my shoulders are back and proud and I stand tall. So, Greg, it comes yeah. down to belief. It, it, your, it's your belief. Ah. It's your inherent belief. But if you were told since you were a child in many overt and subtle ways, and right. I'm, I'm going to speak to women now, and then we can speak to what men are being told. But sure. if you as a woman are being told since you were a child, walk faster. Come on. Don't cry. Oh, please. Go hug your grandfather. Um, mm-hmm. That dress is too short. Um, oh, don't touch yourself there. Hurry, hurry. You didn't get it done yet. Come on. You need to come help mommy. Mommy's got to get this stuff done. Come on. You have to help. I mean, hmm. don't, you know, stop playing. We need to get this done. Um, you know, oh. and then you get into, get into school. Get into school. Um, you didn't finish your homework. You didn't. Oh, why didn't you get an A? Oh, you forgot to get a report card signed. Oh, you're not hitting the ball in PE and baseball. You should be practicing more. Mm-hmm. Listen, all the messages kids are being given, and especially women, and, and this is shifting quite a lot, has been it's not enough, you're not enough, work mm-hmm. harder, do more, please everybody else, you don't matter, smile, stop laughing so much, you're too intense, uh, you're too emotional. Um, th- there's so many messages, and they become, by the time they're in puberty, Mm-hmm. They're literally bowing under the, under the weight of not enoughness, being not safe and not enough. And it happens in so many ways. And once you start being aware of when it's happening and watching children and hearing parents out in public, you're gonna, it, you can't not hear it anymore. And it's almost like, like you can almost feel a stab wound for that child's little spirit. And it happens constantly. And it, let's say you have perfect parents that are extremely nurturing, which that does happen. And especially in the homeschool community, you do come across these parents who are so on top <laughs> of it. Well, extremely nurturing. Um, you're actually about too nurturing? You really do. You really do. too Well, I know. I, I, personally, I personally know homeschooling families that the father is super in his integrated masculine. He's very protector provider. And the mother is nurturing. Do they have problems? Yes but they repair them and they're really conscious parents. There well, is a good. real, that exists. It's not very common in the mainstream community culture though. It's not. And, and so even if the parenting is really tight, if you send them to school, it is very difficult to, as a parent to um, out, to out nurture and, and, and heal when they come home every day from all the messages they hear. In school, it's very damaging. Grades, competition, your friend has to be down here for you to be up here. Um, when you do a grading Yeah, zero-sum game. When you, you can't get yeah, anything when you grade children, else loses. You're forcing yeah, right. them to, to be better than friends. It's a lack of connection. It's the opposite of connection. It is a deep shame for the winner and the loser. Kids don't naturally compete. If you, if you leave them alone, they won't naturally mm. compete. With, it, hold on. Hold on. I, okay, yeah. I've studied this a lot, and and, well, and you can disagree wrong. if you just, want, and that's fine. I just have a question. But yeah. Let, yeah. They won't naturally compete in this sort of 
um, yucky energy. So, so what they'll do in a natural setting, if there's competition, it's for the good of the group. It's for us to get better so that our team is better. That's a fully different feeling, and it's, it's, it's a slight shift in the energy and the conversation amongst the competition. It's a, it's a, it can be a slight shift, but it makes a huge difference. When you teach them that um, when you pit them against each other, there, there is shaming that occurs, and, and this is a lot of people aren't going to believe this. There's a ton of research behind this, though, and how it affects intrinsic motivation. There's a shaming on a level that occurs for both the winner and the loser. It shifts when they get to puberty, especially for boys, and testosterone kicks in. There's a healthy way to encourage kids to be the best World Cup soccer player without um, pitting them against each other in a toxic way when they're young. It happens all the time. It happens all over the world in small countries where they use, you know, soccer balls stuffed with, um, you know, leaves or whatever, like not these adult um, engineered sports at a young age. But, yeah, I'm going off on a tangent now, competition. Um, no, no, that's fine. Go ahead. No, no, I, I just, uh, well, here's, here's what I noticed, though. I, say, I think boys are different. Uh, and having had the experience of being in uh, – in a, in a co-ed school in Canada, an all-boys school in Australia, uh, co-ed school in the United States at different times. You know, so I was like a teenager in a co-ed school. Uh, I was younger, like eight to what was it, uh, twelve, in Australia in the boys' school, uh, and then in Canada I was like, you know, what five to eight uh, in, in the co-ed school. And it's, it's fascinating the differences. Uh, but those four years in Australia were very interesting because it was an all-boy environment. We were very naturally competitive. But the difference, and I don't know if it's Australia or that age or both. But here's what I noticed. We were naturally competitive on everything. We were competitive on jokes. We were competitive in sports. We were competitive in class. But the difference was it wasn't a winner or a loser situation. We just liked engaging in the competition. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. if that being in, a, in, a, in an isolated boy environment, and we had all male professors. All the teachers were male. Mm-hmm. They all wore black robes. This is an old mm-hmm. English school system. So I went from a Canadian, modern, progressive, you know, basically socialist, liberal education system. I was getting more. Mm-hmm. I had new math. Totally screwed up my math education for the rest of my life. New math, right? Then I get to Australia. Now I'm back in, in the 1850s. <laughs> okay? You know, I got caned. <laughs> you know, that I wore a school uniform. You know, I look like, uh, what's his name? Angus Young of ACDC. You know, we had the uniform, the patch, the cap, the whole bit. Uh, and then I went to the United States, you know, a junior high. Totally different social environment. Now I'm like mean girls. You know, territory. It's like, who are these people? <laughs> it, was really, it was crazy. Um, but but uh, we were naturally and in an all boy. And I wonder if this is true for all girls too. I mean, we should talk about single sex education because in an all boy environment, there were no girls to compete against. There were no girls to to show off for. There were no girls, so we didn't care. We just did mm-hmm. guy stuff, but we weren't really interested. And then it was interesting that when I got to puberty, twelve, you know, thirteen. Now I'm in a now I'm in a boy girl environment. It's like and I haven't talked to girls in four years. It's like oh that was an interesting experience. A little shy at first, but I got over it. Um, but that's interesting. So you want to talk about socialization? I'm probably a, be a great candidate for psychological studies. But when it was just the it's just the just the guys, uh, and we had guys of uh, different races. We had uh, you know the, the the blackest Samoan to the whitest you know English student. We didn't care. We didn't even we didn't even have a concept of race. It didn't matter to us. We all had the same school uniform. Uh, there were different accents or different uh, languages. You know. Uh, yeah. Although we all spoke English in school, but the differences didn't matter because we all had the same school uniform. So it really was looking at people on an individual basis, much more so uh, than it is the United States, which is all group. 
The other interesting yep. thing about Australia, and Australia would be a great social study too, because in Australia, they made me play sports. I was not a big sports fan. I didn't play much in Canada. I sucked at hockey. I couldn't skate to save my life. Um, but in Australia, they made you play sports. And I actually found that I was really good at a couple of different things. I was pretty good on the crew team, pretty good on the tennis team, uh, and, and, some, and I took up fencing. And, you know, just, I had a really great school. They let us try different sports. But uh, I, I sucked at the big sports, you know, Australian football, cricket, all the big ones. I didn't even try rugby. I wanted to keep my teeth. Anyway, uh, the point being that the attitude in Australia is uh, they don't care if you win or lose. It, the, the emphasis is not on winning or losing. It really isn't doing your best. <clears throat> it really isn't trying. So they throw you in a sports team. And if you lost, yeah, I mean, nobody likes losing, but it wasn't a big deal. The United States is the end of the world. So we, have, we almost have a toxic winning-losing philosophy as opposed to Australia, which is much more you better be in there and give it your best shot. And if you lose, okay, you lose. Okay, no big deal. As long as you try it. They don't care if you lose if you try your best. They care if you didn't try your best, much more so. So, so there's mm-hmm. like, have you ever done a study of like healthy competition versus unhealthy competition? I think there is competition, you know, from, from okay. mean girls on, on the women's side to sports or, or debate or chess or music on the guy side. So it's a bit, we don't, we don't compete on looks as much, although I guess some guys do. This, you know, that, that's whole, that, I don't even know about that topic, but that might be interesting. But do you see healthy competition versus you know, dangerous competition compared, well, I mean, that's not the right word, dangerous, but something, but uh, unhealthy or uh, conditioning competition, which brings about the things in women that you talked about earlier. Do you see a difference? That's what, I'm, that's what I was talking about. So okay. competition is not inherently a part of human nature, period. Oh, that's my take. Okay. And why do we I, do if it? You do a whole, if you want to do, do a whole other show then? on that, yeah. if you want to do a whole other show on that, we can. But that's my take, and I've, I've researched it quite a bit when my kids were young, and I was deciding how to educate them. I was interested in intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic. I was interested in mm-hmm. why uh, 98% of five-year-olds are, are categorically um, considered geniuses, if you look at what, a, what it means to be a genius. Um, really? And then why by is the that? T- by, the time, by the time they're 10 years old, uh, they have it's been reduced to about 40%. And by the time they're 18, it's like 2%. One or 2% still have genius characteristics and abilities to creatively problem solve. And that has been attributed multiple times. Uh, there was a NASA researcher who, who did a lot of work on this, and it was found to be most likely due to school. And that is just one component of this. However, what I was originally talking about was how the body carries trauma. And so one okay. example is shoulders and back. And um, the reason we, we, if you walk through any place in the U.S. and just start body watching, which I love doing, body reading, I do it in my women's somatic practice to figure out what women are saying, not just overtly with their bodies, but what their bodies are subconsciously telling me about where they are and what they need. So this is an important part of what I do. And um, casually, you can do it out in public and start noticing body posture. And, and one of the first things you might notice is the shoulders caving and bending in a heart protective manner mm-hmm. for many people. And it's not mm. just the elderly and a, a kyphotic bone thing. Um, and, and start noticing maybe culture and ethnic backgrounds and who has it more. And know that that comes from um, unhealed messages, beliefs in the body based on fear and burden, feeling unsupported, um, too much too much expected of me and not enough love and nurturing and, um, and protecting the heart and abdomen, essentially, energetically. And when we go in and rewire the brain, and the fastest way to do that is through the body, the fastest way, whether it's yoga, 
somatic movement. I teach exotic dance because I think that's the most fun way for a woman to um, rewire her brain. We guys do too, by the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, but there's, but any, any practice that's focusing on the known trauma healing. And again, that word trauma, the known way the brain can rewire. How does the brain rewire through the body? EMDR, tapping, that's real. That works for a lot of people. Yoga, why? Because you're being told if you have a decent teacher that the only thing that matters is your breath and being attuned to your body. And when you're uncomfortable, keep the breath, keep the breath. That translates to the outside world. The breath, what ha- so you probably know this, but we can even go through this example. So if you stand up right now or, or even in your seat, put your shoulders back, open your heart and chest, lift your chin just a little, and take a deep breath through your nose, hold it, and exhale slowly. Do that five times, shoulders back, chest lifted, crown of the head towards the ceiling. Also, put a slight smile on your face. Your mood and vibe will change. It will shift. You cannot be in a fear and anger very long with intentionally changing your posture, your face, and your, and your breath. It, it's almost impossible. So you can hit these at different levels, these old, this healing. You can either start with the body and rewire the brain, or you can start with the brain and, and messages and affirmations and meditation and, and begin to, you'll see body changes. You'll see your body start to heal and change. It's very exciting. Mm. Oh, it sounds it. No, this is quite fascinating. I, uh, I disagree on the, the, the idea that we're not naturally competitive. Um, I think that, no, I, I think we can, no, okay, no, I think, but it's, it's, it's a guy thing. I think mm-hmm. that we guys are, I think women are naturally competitive in different ways. Like I, said, I would contrast mm-hmm. mean girls with, uh, you know, sports teams. Uh, so there's a lot of competition out there. Now the question, so the question for me is good versus bad, but you said something fascinating. Um, five-year-olds are, are rated at 90% genius level. I want to go through that. That was absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Where, say mm-hmm. that again. Mm-hmm. So five, is, is it something you're reading from or is there a study or where'd you get this? This was a study done by, uh, so NASA had employed. NASA. Wow. I know. There's a whole other good time. Reason. Ooh, well, this, was, this, this is quite a while ago. They were trying to figure out how do we get adults. And so this could open up another can of worms, but let's not right now. No. But, okay, you know, <laughs> well, so I, I just want to, I just want a little bit about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, this is, interesting. Yeah. well, you know where I'm going with it, right? School is dangerous. So government that's, programs, that's yeah. government programs, mm-hmm. and this one specifically was NASA, like to study how do we get and, and let's not get into the CIA and their mind reading and the psychological, like the mm. totally crazy, you know, how they learned how to remote view. And they can remote view. We've had a lot of, you know, we've had a lot of yeah. people leave the CIA and Navy SEALs and, and say they Going taught us to remote view. They taught oh. us to, um, to have psychic powers, literally trained our brains. So our brains are limitless. We were told from a young age also how limited mm-hmm. we are and we must pray to right. an outer source to get all our gifts. And the reality is we manifest the gifts using divine consciousness that flows through us, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Our powers are limitless, right? Um, right? Competition. So to speak to competition, to speak to, that is absolutely culturally put on us. Anytime there's a fear of lack and we're told, um, you must be better than this person next to you in order for you to be safe or enough in this world. That is a lie. However, you might take the view, well, you know what? There's times in this, in this world where that, that is useful. 
that, that, that I, I must feel competitive. Yeah, that is true because we're in a 3D dark energy battle on this earth, right? So there are entities that you want to be able to beat and, 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 and defeat. But the whole approach with children, all it does is disconnect and lower eye vibrational frequency. It lowers our capacity to be the best we can be. You can be, um, you can teach kids how to compete with um, their own records, how mm-hmm. to, um, you can reframe it and say things like, run next to each other. You're both going to try to get to the finish line. Um, let's see how fast you both can go. And, and, you know, did you guys know that the faster your friend goes, it makes you faster too? Isn't that cool? It actually running next to him, if he's really fast, is going to make you faster. That is a way I will tell you both will get faster because now you've increased the frequency energy. You've not made it about being better than them. You've made it about both of you with each other becoming faster than you were before. It's a lie that you need to get competition in order to get um, through the roof the best results ever. It's actually, it actually handicaps. It's actually a lie given to us by culture that makes us less less than most powerful, less likely to rely on your friend and teamwork. Um, Reggio Emilia preschools have known this for a long time. The most expensive preschools in the world. I was privileged enough to have the money to afford to send my child to one of the best in the United States. She Mm -hmm. never did. um, Everything was cooperative. The painting, a big piece of paper. The children never questioned it. They came in, they painted right next to their friend's painting. They would say, can I paint on top? They were taught to say, is it okay if I paint on top of this or can I paint next to you? And half the time you can say, oh, yeah, paint on top of my painting. We're taught to be protective of our things. We're taught to um, a mine and yours mentality. Again, communism has taken this truth and perverted it and made it, turned it against us, right? So there's, there's ways you can take all the human good and, um, and, and pervert it and make it ugly, much like, um, you know, inclusivity with, with pride and, and pedophilia and all this, like, They've taken our love and inclusivity and, turn, and, and, and sort of it's half lies, right? So they, they use enough truth that we get bought into it, right? Um, yeah, but no, I guess that's a competition. I was just thinking you should watch really, the, yeah. uh, the if you, have you ever watched the movie The Fountainhead? It's the Anne Rand book. Uh, it was made into mm-hmm. a movie with Gary Cooper. You know, it's funny. It's, I started to read it, and I, I literally yeah. couldn't. Her language was so complex. I kept putting oh, watch it the down. Movie. I couldn't finish it. Yeah, okay. and I, I, I don't read books well anyway because I'm so ADHD. But if you watch the movie, it's fascinating. Um, but it's exactly the opposite of what you're saying. It's really this is why I think you find it fascinating that it's not cooperative. That your work is your own work, and you don't you don't have to do things to to serve the masses, and that you don't have to you know lower your standards or change yourself or or adopt whatever the the common you know uh, society or rule is that uh, in the, that all that all the greatest creations were done by individuals. It usually comes down to one person. And so, uh, yeah, and I'm much more of an Ayn Rand philosophy than the cooperative. I love cooperative, but I also know I was just talking to a friend um, in, in, who's still in school. Uh, they have a group project, and, and one person did, you know, 20% of the work and took 80% of the time. <laughs> you know, so, so cooperation sometimes doesn't work exactly unless everybody's cooperating equally, which almost never happens. So it's a great idea. Well, the show is a cooperative effort, but when it comes down to it, if a decision has to be made on the show, it's on me. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so, but as for competition, do I compete with other shows? Yeah, I think I'm better. Uh, do I compete with myself? Constantly. I'm always trying to be better for myself. Do I have reporters competing against each other on the, on the show? Absolutely not. Because we're all individuals and we all have something special to offer. So in that respect, um, I, I know there are companies that hire, you know, 20 people when they only want eight 
because they want to weed out people just to force them to compete against each other and get more work done. So there is, so competition can be horrible or it can be really healthy because as you talk about people, you know, making themselves better, if you've got two people who are, are running, one's a little faster, one's a little slower. Yeah. The slower person is going to try and beat the faster person. I don't know if the faster person is going to get faster because they might slow down for the slower person to be cooperative. So you may actually be holding back the faster people. So that I have to, I got to, I got to think about that and look into that. But mm-hmm. let me get back to five-year-old geniuses. This fascinated me when you said this. I just immediately started mm-hmm. writing. So I want to know what that study was. So, so five-year-olds, okay. so I'm sorry. how did they I measure the genius? I start talking no, okay. and then no, I get I, excited because there's so many good things I, I lo- to talk about and then I forget where Dorothy, we were. <laughs> I, I love when we get off topic. Don't worry. It's never a problem. It's, I know it's, you it's, do, but that's I'm what makes the show. apologizing to the listeners. <laughs> Well, tell them to, to catch up. <laughs> Someone said to me, well, uh, they said this I think is w- end this, and I think, I think we should end the show with a movement. I think we should end the show with a movement. But I'm going to talk okay. about the NASA. So what NASA did, as many government organizations did, is they thought, how can we get kids to, um, to grow into adults that are most useful for our, our evil plans? No, most that, geniuses. How, how do we create, <laughs> yes. How do we how do we get kids how do we get more geniuses and, and, and get them into NASA to, to, to you know how do we get more geniuses so they started studying kids and 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 they did this long study and they had tons of funding and um, the the results were surprising and and the, the lead of the study and I can't remember his name right now but um, the leader of the study actually ended up saying wow, it kind of looks like it's school because apparently they studied this huge cohort of kids and some were homeschooled and some weren't and they had all different kinds of schools. So, you know, a very good research study controls for all factors. So if all the kids have been in a public school in the same city, you know, obviously that's not a good study. So they used a huge varied cohort of all kinds of socioeconomic backgrounds and different schools and different ways of learning. And it came down to the biggest factor was putting them in school when they went in school. Um, The ones who were in public school especially, but not at all only public school, um, like lost their ability to, uh, they lost their intrinsic motivation. They lost Mm -hmm. their ability to creatively problem solve. Mm -hmm. They, they, their minds became regurgitation machines that were afraid and controlled by shame and fear and fitting in and being the quote best as compared to others regurgitating the correct information, performing in the way that the adults clap, like, like trained seals, losing all their personal individuality and creativity. And the competition comes into play here also, which we could do a whole other show about. But um, No, this may be yeah. the most important study I've ever heard about because I want to run with this, and this is going to cause a whole bunch mm. of legislation and a whole change in my philosophy because I've always thought this. I've always thought that the worst thing that ever happened to me was going to school because it took away my creativity. So I was being a natural rebel and being confident enough in myself growing up in a traumatic home environment where I, my survival depended on my individuality and self-reliance. So when it came to a school trying to you know, change my thoughts, well, Australia is really good because they were actually very much encouraging all kinds of different things. Um, but uh, but uh, you know, Canada and the, the government school, so the private school is much better. Uh, Homeschool, I'm sure, would have been better, still, but not in my family. Uh, but the idea that school takes away that conditions, and I think the word we're missing is conditioning. Uh, and I talk about people, I've talked about friends of mine, that they have their, their, their natural self up to about five years old. This is why I find what you said so fascinating. I said, your, your natural self up to about five. That's your best. That's, that's who you are naturally. You go with your own instincts. You say what you want. You do what you want. You think what you want. You find ways to solve problems exactly as you said, although I haven't phrased it in that way. Um, but then you start to be conditioned. 
And that's about when you start school, five years old. And so by the time you get out of school, you're completely conditioned. You've lost your originality. You've lost what made you special. You, you, you do what you think you should rather than what you would naturally do anyway. And that's when people make all their mistakes and they have you know, horrible relationships and they take the wrong jobs and they have expectations and all the body shaming, mind shaming, and every other shaming you can think of takes over. And there's, there's nothing left of who they were because they've mm-hmm. been completely they're the cog in the wheel. You know, which is what the whole system is designed for. We're based on oppression model that was based on, on turning out, uh, you yes. know, uh, obedience. That, those, messages, those messages start very early. And when you start paying attention, you hear them like they're so subtle. Many of them are so subtle. And um, so it really, it really it <laughs> requires more, parents. It requires direct. parents and caregivers to be very aware of this. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and you can't prevent it all, but you can do, um, you can do mirroring, facial expression mirroring. You can do really um, intentional listening, reflecting back, helping children yeah. reframe stories. Reframing stories is such a beautiful skill and we can talk about another. And that's what we do in my dance. No, I wanna, also. No, I, we reframe like you were told, you were, you were, you were told you're slutty. You were told your sexuality is naughty. You know what? Show right. it to me. Show me your slut. Yeah. I want you to bring this outfit, and we do this for more advanced students. The beginners are mm. here in headlights. But, but later on, we'll intentionally, intentionally bring those suppressed, we call them erotic creatures, to class. We're going to use music, movement, costumes, and we're going to cheer the hell out of her when she shows us the story of that suppressed slut. I'm telling you, nothing is more fun. I'm going to leave on that note. I would love another week to talk about, you know, more about where – uh, where messages are kept in the body. It's really kind of fun. And you start oh, you can talk about anything you want. Your... Yeah. This is yeah. Your I just, I just, I'm here to sidetrack you. <laughs> so the way we release trauma in the hips, in my movement practice, is we do giant hip circles really slow. And it's a really well, great Well, let me song. do one. So your, li- your listeners, let me, let me, let me, your listeners I'm going to stand up and you just, I want to do one. Yeah. You can, can I do one? Well, women, women, you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. So women, women carry do a lot of... Sh- a lot of stuff in their hips. Men carry a lot in their shoulders. But today, oh. like, if your listeners want to do hip circles, all you do is put on your favorite song, and one that makes you just feel super juicy and turned up, and you push your hips as far as you can in every direction, knees bent, feet are wide, and just as slow, like you're moving through fudge. Slow is key, and the better you can stretch, the more you can stretch, the better. And you do that. And then towards the end of the song, start speeding it up a little, get your chest involved, maybe make some noise. I'm telling you, your whole day is going to be better. Your whole day (laughs) is going to be good. Your whole day is going to be better. I'm telling you, it works. Mm. Magic. It's magic. I need to show the circles and hip circles. You got to go. I'm Dorothy Diana. I'm on. Yeah, it's 11 o'clock. Dorothy Diana on Facebook. And um, my website is yoniyoon.com, and people can contact me there. I do free 15-minute phone conversations, uh, consultations, and then I can do private from Zoom um, on the phone. And uh, so it's y-o-n-i-y-u-n.com. And, and have some more questions for you. I'm going to probably message you off the air to get the name of the study because I want to do some serious research on this. This is fascinating to me. You know me, mm-hmm. I'm a mind person. A good one. Yeah. Yeah, All right, darling. Good one. Thank you so much. Love our chats as always. <sighs> Me too. Take care. Yeah. Stay warm. All right. Have a good week. Bye bye. Bye now. I I have to tell you. I mean, I feel like the movie ended. and I'm not ready for the ending yet. It's like, wait a minute. There's more. I got questions. I got more to the story. You didn't explain everything. Okay. So the study sounds fascinating, and 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 the reason. 
is because I've always contended that school is one of the most dangerous things you could do to kids. Uh, I've seen the videos on the Prussian model of obedience, of of conditioning, of how the schools are set up like factories, of how they make you move to a bell, of of how they have compartmentalized um, periods of time and everything has a schedule. And it's all regimented. It's all done by design. It's all the psychologists will, will explain all of how you are completely conditioned. And there's time for lunch and there's time for gym and there's time for this. And, you know, and, and everything that they do, you know, the teachers at the front, you all sit in desks, usually alphabetically, which means the smart kids up front, the A through like G last names do well. You know, the middle names do okay, and those that are, are named, you know, Zephyr or something with a Z, they're way in the back. They always, you know, they just slough off and they get a terrible education. You know, that kind of stuff is horrible. But the school is designed to, to break your spirit. I mean, really, I heard that line once in a movie. What was I watching? I was watching some film. Oh, about last night. It was uh, Rob Lowe and uh, uh, not, uh, who was the Belushi? Jim Belushi. Uh, anyway, one of the, one of the characters um, plays uh, a, a school teacher. She says, "Yeah, she teaches kindergarten," and she says, "Yeah, kindergarten. It's 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 it's, uh, it's invented by the Germans." <laughs> Sorry to my German listeners. Uh, kindergarten, and it was uh, it's designed to break their spirit, and that's what school does: breaks your spirit, breaks you down, takes away your individuality, takes your your natural self, and turns it into your conditioned self. And your parents do too. So some of the things that, that Dorothy was talking about. You know, when she's talking about those messages that girls get, I got all kinds of messages. I want to go into this with her next week, but I was told, you know, you're never going to mount anything. And, uh, you know, there's no point in, in, in trying because you're never going to go anywhere. And it was, it was a constant negative reinforcement. You know, all your cousins are smarter than you. What's wrong with you? You know, it's like, don't do this. Don't try that. You know, it was a constant reinforcement that you'll never be any good at anything for me. Right. And so what I did was I tried, I became an overachiever. I was flying airplanes at 16. I was doing special projects. I uh, got two degrees in college instead of one. I mean, so I became the exact opposite, maybe to prove that they were wrong. And so when it comes to action radio, now I don't have to prove it to them. I just, I just want to do it for myself. And, and then once we cross that barrier between proving to others, I don't feel a need to prove myself to anybody. Um, but I do have my own goals and my own things that I need to prove to me. And that's the difference. But I want to find this study. This study fascinates me and it validates, like I say, everything that I've thought about education. That's why I want to look into it so hard. Okay. I didn't have a second to play any of my, uh, uh, of my announcements and things. It's pretty, it's pretty typical of, uh, of Monday. Um, so anyway, I'm just write a little note to myself here. Um, yeah, I take about three pages of notes per show. <laughs> so I got about eight notebooks stacked on my desk from the last, uh, you know, several years of, of shows, but uh, yeah, take a look first on rumble. Uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be the action radio channel. Or the, it's gonna be, excuse me, Action Radio Citizen Legislature, just like our logo, just like everything else. So you go to Rumble, look for Action Radio Citizen Legislature, and that's where we'll be. I'll be announcing it until we move over there, so everybody has a chance to uh, um, to find us there. So thank you all. We'll do it all again tomorrow. Let me say that slower. We will do it all again tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time, and I will talk to you then. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. 
W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, WriteYourLaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't, which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care, and now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them 
at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Grace Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strike Force is at StrikeForceEnergy.com. That's StrikeForceEnergy.com. Start your engine. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. 